ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Time where Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by T.J. Reeves of Compass Media Network, college football play-by-play broadcaster, also the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network, as we'll talk all things college football and NFL with T.J. when he joins us. Coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well coming up at the end of the show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now, fresh off a trip to Boise in Oklahoma State in action, pick up the dub. There was no passing game of any kind, but nonetheless, the uh, folks survive and stay 3-0 and on the year. Tom, I was hanging out at a Nebraska bar this Saturday, and me and one of my coworkers, we were the only Oklahoma guys there. And you better believe we kind of made a scene of some sorts. Anytime OU was doing something good uh, or Nebraska was screwing up, making some mistake of some sorts, uh, we, we were getting some strange, strange looks. So I bet I can relate to kind of what you experienced this weekend in Boise. Uh, you know, we, we both got victories kind of on on the road of sorts, even though even though OU was at home, I felt like I was on the road this weekend uh, you know, on some enemy territory of some sorts. Nonetheless, uh, it's a good feeling when uh, when you go into someone else's house and get that win. You know, every now and then it's fun to be the villain. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I will say Boise people were super nice, but after that field goal kick was blocked, you should you could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. Um, and then looking around at all the defeat on everybody's faces was kind of priceless. I'm not going to lie. Just seeing everybody with a look of, oh, no, we're going to lose on our little Smurf turf made it all right. I will say I enjoyed that misery just for a little bit. Like I, think- I said, everybody was everybody was nice, but I did enjoy that wee bit of, uh, of pain. <laughs> The pin drop moment when uh, I was at this Nebraska bar on Saturday was that DJ Graham interception, the one-handed grab. That might be the best catch we see all year. It very well might be. Uh, that was a that was a hell of a catch. Um, and I'm sure you could heard the pin drop, but definitely not in Norman. I'm could have probably caused an earthquake as loud as that stadium probably was. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was something. And to me. I look back at that interception, Tom, that, that Graham had. And at the time, it was like, what's he doing? Bat the ball down, get the field position. But now I look back at it, to have that highlight, to have that moment, I don't blame the kid at all. Now he's going to have that on his NFL tape and such, and every scout is going to look at that play and remember remember that. Um, you know, I don't encourage being selfish and so, of sorts, but uh, – for him to pull down that play and, and what that's going to do for him probably down the line, I don't blame the guy one bit. Oh, no. I would, I'm would. i sure he could go back and uh, do it all again. I mean, I'm sure he'd do it the same way. Gosh, that was good, man. Uh, now, your experience in Boise, they're, they're kind of weird up there, aren't they? Don't don't they give away some, like, uh, some weird toys of sorts in the, in the bar scene there? You know what? I'll, I was I'll talk to Bo about this too on Coach Bo knows later on today. But uh, yeah, Boise a little strange. Um, you know they have sex toys and claw machines, and they throw out sex toys to the crowd and other bars where underwear and bras hang from the ceiling. It made for a uh, 
a, a crazy environment. They even had an Adam and Eve banner. If you don't know what Adam and Eve is, it's an online sex store um, where you can buy all your all your needs. The only thing I was it was missing was the Priscilla's where fun and fantasy meets. Uh, a little Tulsa shout out there, but um, yeah, it was very strange. But it made for a uh, kind of an electric environment. Um, did you come home it, with any sex toys? I did not. None of us. None of us got any. I was hoping uh, I would have caught one, so I could have stashed it at Nolan's house somewhere hidden, and you know maybe like put it in a deep kitchen drawer so they're cooking one day and they just pull out a big old dildo or something like that one of the times. <laughs> but <laughs> I did not. I was not. Even if I would have won, I would have not put that in the plane. I can only imagine. Look on TSA's face going through the X-ray machine. Oh my gosh! All the uh, all the judgment. Yeah, exactly. All the judgment. It would have been. Um, it would have been something. Oh man! Well, and, and then the other part of this weekend was the freakout among this area, Tom, about the Chiefs actually losing to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you would have thought that the season was just over, that the world was collapsing. Oh, my God, the Kansas City Chiefs actually lost a football game. I mean, uh, there, there were some folks that actually thought this team was going to go undefeated, which was ludicrous to begin with. I am all here for the overreaction Monday. You know I, I love the Chiefs and such, but, I mean, it's one game. It's not the end of the world here. I, I'm, I, I'm laughing at all the, uh, the, the crazies that uh, want to act like the sky is falling after one loss. You, you've – You've been there. We've all been there before as fans. Know that experience. Right. And it's almost better just to go ahead and get it out of the way. Other than, you know, going 6-0 and and losing the seventh game. Uh, you know, it's it's probably for the best. I think they'll – you know, sometimes you need a loss to put it into perspective. And, that, I mean, it's not like it was – they didn't get the doors blown off of them. No. So I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, the Ravens aren't a bad football team. Granted – I did think the Chiefs were going to win that game, and we talked about it last week on the show, but I did think the Chiefs were going to outright win that game. But, it's I mean, the Ravens are nothing to mess with, and Lamar kind of has a chip on his shoulder from not beating Mahomes yet. So it was bound to happen at some point. Well, and you look at it, it was so simple too. It was, okay, don't give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and keep the ball in your best player's hands and Patrick Mahomes, and you win that football game. I mean, there's nothing more to it than that right there. Um, if Mahomes gets control of the football and they let him pass it down the stretch and wear out clock that way, use the screen passing game as a substitute for the run game, then you get your game-winning field goal and it's game over. There's no reason to act like the world is ending because you lost to the Baltimore Ravens. The other part of it, too, is you hear these so-called experts, the national talking heads – that are now acting like, okay, there's a blueprint to beat the Chiefs now. And we've heard them say this for the last four years every time the Chiefs have lost. All right, here's the blueprint. Here's how you beat the Chiefs. Nothing's worked consistently. I just laugh each time I hear somebody say that they have the blueprint to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, sure. Try that again. Uh, Andy Reid's the best offensive mind in football. He, he's got new ways to work. Uh, keep trying on that blueprint. I, I've heard this song and dance before. Yeah, it has, has been a song and dance before, so it's kind of funny when they they 
continuously say that. I will say um, shutting down Tyreek Hill um, the way that the Ravens did uh, kind of well, – well, I mean, it might not outright win you the game every time, but it does keep you in the game with a chance to win. But, you know, it's not really easy to shut down Tyreek Hill. The Ravens did do it. I mean, he still got somewhat, but it wasn't a, wasn't a normal Tyreek Hill day. And I think some of that could have been the difference um, in that because, you know, if he has a game like he did in the first one, even though that was a close game, you know, that, you know, most times when Tyreek goes off when he does, you're going to win the game. Um, so, you know, one game he doesn't go off, it's going to be hard to stop. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's literally a game in itself to, to even – stop Tyree kill. So credits the Ravens for that. Um, but who do they got? Who are the chiefs got this week? The chargers, the play the uh, chargers. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, and they're familiar with two Tyree kill is for sure. So it's, it's not going to be an easy task. No. Um, and no. I don't know if, I don't know if just Herbert can keep up. Uh, I don't think his offense is as dynamic as the, as the Ravens even. So we'll, we will see. All right. Justin Herbert's off to a rough start to this year too. Three interceptions. Uh, to uh, begin 2021 through two games, only two passing touchdowns. We'll talk about the uh, Chargers and Chiefs along with the rest of the NFL slate coming up in uh, just a bit. But, Tom, while we're on the uh, topic of the aftermath of the uh, Chiefs and Chargers, I got to tell you, um, you know, there has not been a more obnoxious ad on television this football season than that Applebee's song with the the, the fancy-like – uh, Applebee's oh, on yeah. date night, you know, the, the Bourbon Street steak with the, the Oreo shake. I mean, that I want to mute the TV every time that song comes on. Like, I want to throw the remote on my TV. I mean, that thing is just awful. I mean, you've seen it about 100 times, right, Tom? Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard it a gazillion times, too. Doesn't it just drive you nuts? Yeah, and it's one of the most catchy songs there is. Like, it makes me not want to go to Applebee's. It makes me want to go to Chili's. I don't want to go to either of them. I'm waiting for Chili's to to fire back with a right, you know, write a write a song, um, have them come out with a with a with a different song that mentions a Chili's. So uh, that it might be one. That song is so disgraceful and so pitiful um, that you know I've gotten so sick of it and such, much like everyone else. And on Sunday night, I got a little bit overconfident, Tom. When the Chiefs were leading, or, or not leading, when they were driving towards the end of the game, and it looked like they were in good position to set up a game-winning field goal for Harrison Butker, I made the mistake of getting on the Twitter machine. And this was shortly after that commercial had aired again. And I said, I'm feeling so confident right now in the Chiefs that if they blow this, I'll go on a fancy date night at Applebee's. And then... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, within seconds of me tweeting that, fumbles the football and turns it over. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this isn't happening. And, you know, one of my buddies, Joe Scanlon, who's been on this show before, replies, oh, no. And shortly thereafter, I say, well, who's down for two for 20? And this tweet got blown up. I got picked up by old takes exposed. And I had people offering to go with me to Applebee's on a fancy date night. And so now, Tom, uh, I'm a man of my word. I will be going on a fancy date night to Applebee's, having a Bourbon Street steak and an Oreo shake and 
two straws, one check. Uh, it's going to happen now. I did not see that. I'm going down to your Twitter right now. Um, that is – wait a second. What, what day was that? That was on Sunday? Sunday night, yeah. Okay. Sunday night. What? Uh, I made a fool of myself. I mean, there's there's a lot worse things to go down with. Um, if I was going to get you know old take exposed of sorts, um, you know, if I was going to make a bet with myself, at least at the end of the day, I mean, I'm still getting to you know eat food out of it and have a you know a glorified microwave dinner, you know, at, at some point. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world. There, there's a lot worse things that that could have happened here. Right, yeah, it could be. Uh, I'm reading through people quoting your <laughs> tweet. Uh, this guy says, date night at Applebee's. Enjoy the dog shit food. This could be – we should have saved this. This could have been the Tom Fullery. <laughs> well, with as much attention as it got on my Twitter, it was uh, it was too mainstream now for Tom Fullery. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably very true. That is oh. that is great, man. Uh, gosh, now having to go to Applebee's, uh, Tom. There's the the way this is going to go down here. We're we're going to go all out. I think I'm going to live tweet my fancy date night at Applebee's. Give updates, maybe some videos of sorts. Give the people what they want. You got to. You, you have to. This is this has to continue. Yeah. Uh, you get a two straw and one check. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a lot of people tweeting me uh, memes from Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights of uh, when uh, when the family went to Applebee's. Right. Yeah, that's going to be you. <laughs> that is that is going to be. Wait a second. Did old takes expose tweet it? They retweeted it, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. That is beautiful. Man, yeah. So that's uh, that's my experience. Uh, so thanks thanks to the Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Elair. I got to go eat at Applebee's. I have been making fun of Applebee's for weeks uh, about that awful ad, that awful commercial. And now karma just bites me back. I mean, kar- karma's a bitch. Yeah, it kind of is, but uh, I'm waiting. Applebee should – I hope Applebee sees it. Freezing cold takes retweeted it. Man. That's great. And Applebee's, like, you know, I would ask – I would be tempted to be like, hey, look, you know, we got this thing that's blown up. Uh, can I have a free meal or something like that? But as much crap as I've talked on Applebee's, the last few weeks, I feel like it's only right that I I pay for this myself. Right, exactly. You, you even have to leave a big fancy tip. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You get you got to tell the you got to tell the the bartender or the waitress or whoever serves you there. You got to tell them the story. Say now, you'll never see me again. Right. When I make <laughs> when I make my order there, do I have to sing the song? Say you know I want the I'm here oh, on I'm, a fancy date night. I want a Bourbon Street steak and an Oreo shake. Sing it. Sing my order. I'm sure they get enough of that. 
I'm sure I, I like when the McDonald's song came out. Do you remember that? I don't know if that was before your time or not. I don't when remember. McDonald's, the, look up the McDonald's rap through the drive through Oh, Three I remember times. this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would, they, I'm, I guarantee Applebee's people get that all the time. They have to. And if they do, then I feel sorry for them. Because oh, I would hate man. that. I would absolutely, I would quit my job. <laughs> I wouldn't go to work for Applebee's in, in the first place. But if I had to, that would be, that would be the, uh, that would be the quitting point. <laughs> that would be when I had enough. That'd be the and end. I, I would, I would somehow find a way to block that song from ever being played or where I would ever be able to hear it. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, I'm just ready to get this. Applebee's meal over with and not have anything to do with Applebee's again. Now I'm going to bite my tongue on making fun of Applebee's because I know karma is going to give me back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I wouldn't make any more chief bets at the end of the game for the rest of the season. Now, if Applebee's wants to sponsor us, I will stop the Applebee's slander at, going forward. We're going to be fancy like an Applebee's on a date night, listen to Soapbox Studio, and it hit, hits right? I don't know. I mean, we'll sing and everything, you know, if they want to sponsor. Hey, yeah, I don't even know what what kind of song we could come up with. We, we could have Thomas doing a TikTok dance for Applebee's. We'll make uh, it- you will never find me on TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok account. I've never downloaded the app. If that is, I draw the line, I will never download TikTok. <laughs> I mean, uh, m- money money talks, uh, Tom. I mean, you, you'll, you'll do anything for money. It depends on how much money. I'll be a TikTok ho for the right amount. Oh, my gosh. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's look at uh, this week ahead in the National Football League. Thursday night football, Panthers and Texans. Panthers off to a sneaky good start to 2021 with a huge win against the Saints last week. Their defense was incredible. Beat the Jets the week before that. Sam Darnold looking really good at this point in time. And you look at Darnold's numbers. Three touchdowns, 50 of 73 through the air, 584 yards, just one interception. Tom, I thought this would happen. I thought that Matt Rule could find some new life in Sam Darnold. And now we're starting to see him come alive of sorts. You get him out of the New York Jets, get him into a good system there in Carolina – I think this Sam Darnold is here to stay. Yeah, I think so too. And now you look at it, you got three teams vying for a playoff spot and a wild card in that division. And, you know, can the Saints, I mean, obviously it's Tampa Bay getting the getting the division spot, but can the Panthers, and they've already beat the Saints obviously once now, can the Panthers scoot out the Saints? for that wild card and you think about it we were so high on the saints and Jameis winston we thought oh shit you go and whoop that packers ass baby you know we were we were as high uh we were as high on the saints as we are we were low on the packers right yes and now it kind of flip-flops you know saints go out and the bed against uh the panthers and you know in the second half of that monday night football game the packers came out and looked like the same old packers um, especially Aaron Jones, goodness, um, about lost me a fantasy game, but you know, um, for what it's worth, um, uh, you know, he, 
we could be seeing the Panthers, you know, maybe scoot out the Saints for that wild card spot. I don't know if that's overreaction, too much overreaction Monday on my part in terms of the Panthers are going making the wild card already with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, uh, yeah. Is that too much of an overreaction? Panthers get a wild card spot. Are you buying it no. or are you selling it? Um, I would lean towards buying. Look at their schedule ahead. It's pretty easy. The Texans, Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants, Falcons, uh, then the Patriots. It starts to get a little tougher when you get to November with the Patriots and Cardinals and Dolphins and a few others. Um, but this next stretch of games is not bad at all for Carolina. I think the schedule plays to their favor. Meanwhile, this Houston Texans team, Terod Taylor is out for a bit. Was 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 there a bit? Was there a bet on that that you could have bet? Like what game he gets injured in? <laughs> I think it's so. happened. It, it, what other teams? He played for the Chargers. Hurt. That was the last team. Browns. Right? Browns hurt. The Bills. I don't think he got hurt. I don't think he did either. That's uh, okay. But well, that was the the past team. The last three teams hurt and then, and then and then the quarterback the new quarterback came in and kind of started good baker davis brent good. yeah and yeah. uh and tyrod taylor gets injured again for the second week of the season just like he did last year with the chargers now of course last year's incident wasn't of his own doing and such you know he got screwed over by the medical staff of the chargers but nonetheless tyrod taylor's out and you know we're, we're seeing uh you know, Davis get this spot where he's going to start now the rookie from Stanford. And we're not going to see Deshaun Watson still. Deshaun has not been suspended by the NFL. He has not been, you know, punished of any kind. And we know that he's a franchise quarterback, how talented he is. And nobody's talking about this. Why is this not getting more attention, Tom, how just openly – the Texans are tanking like this. I mean, they're not even trying to hide it. I mean, you look at that uh, Texans-Browns game last week, close game, and the Browns or the uh, Texans made some mistakes that just didn't make any sense of any kind down the stretch there. Why is nobody paying attention and realizing how much the Texans are tanking right in front of our very eyes here? I mean, yeah, they definitely are. I would be. I mean, you got to – well, I don't know who has their first round pick this year. They have their first round pick. Okay, so even more so reason they gotta they gotta figure out the situation. I don't know who's tank for yet. I mean, who do you tank for this year? Who's who's the top quarterback in the nation right now? You, you surely uh, don't tank for Strong at Nevada. I'd hope not. Yeah, and do you I tank wouldn't. for Rattler or Sam Howell at this point? I don't know. I don't. I mean, both shaky. Well, I wouldn't call Rattler shaky, but it's not. It wasn't what we anticipated per se. Not, I mean, right. this still this, this is very early. Right, right. It's not like we're with these quarterbacks, and I like this quarterback class. We're not with them like we were last year with Trevor Lawrence, where it was obvious how good Trevor Lawrence was going to be, and was a, the bona fide number one pick, no question about it. We're not at that point right now. So, yeah, the Texans clearly tanking, not hiding it. No one is giving a damn about this Deshaun Watson investigation right now. Um, you know, the media has got to do a better job on covering this and, you know, being involved in what's going on in this Texan situation because we're not getting any news. We don't know any details. 
where the NFL's at and all this, some folks need to do a better job following up on this situation, what's going on there in Houston. But anyways, Carolina should be fine on the road on Thursday night. Washington taking on Buffalo. Uh, the Bills looked really good last week against Miami. Granted, Tua got hurt pretty early on. But nonetheless, the offense was back to what we know. Diggs was good. Singletary and company. Washington, now you got Taylor Heineke in that starting role now. Heineke made one mistake last week in that game against the Giants. Otherwise, he played a nearly perfect game. I like Heineke. I think Heineke's got some talent. I think he's just as good, if not better, of an option than uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at that quarterback spot here. Tom Washington could very well win that division. We saw them do it a year ago. I think Taylor Heineke can lead them to where they want to go. Um, this is a sneaky good matchup between Washington and Buffalo here. Washington, I don't expect them to win, but uh, there's no reason to think that with that defense and with some of the players they have offensively, they can't at least contend, can't at least make this an interesting bowl game of sorts. Yeah, I think they can. And and I feel like the line is a little high on that. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm, the Bills defense pretty stout, I thought, so far, um, at least last week. So, um but I think I think that the Washington football team can can put up a fight. Um, do they win this game? I don't know. I wouldn't be the first to take. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't come out and be the first to take Washington football team to pull this off. But uh, you know, I got burnt last week saying that the Chiefs were going to outright beat the Ravens. So you know, I've been wrong before. The uh, Bears taking on the Browns. Matt Nagy appears to be the only man in uh, football that likes Andy Dalton more than Justin Fields. And even though it looks like Fields is going to start this game, that Andy Dalton's still recovering, uh, that we hear Nagy say that once Dalton gets back, he's still their starting quarterback. And he's trying to compare it to the Alex Smith-Patrick Mahomes deal. And the – Idea there, it's a it's a false comparison because, for one, Andy Dalton isn't nearly as good as what Alex Smith was. And Justin Fields, I don't think, is as good as what Patrick Mahomes was either. So to try to compare those things and say that he wants that type of transition, that's just not realistic. But nonetheless, we're going to see Justin Fields play. The Browns, through two weeks, came close to beating the Chiefs week one. Very competitive game that came down to the wire. Week two, that game against the Texans was a little too close for comfort, but they did end up pulling away late. Baker did get hurt in that game. Jarvis Landry's out for a while. Um, I don't think Odell is back yet. Um, yeah, he's questionable for this game. And uh, you go to that offensive line, Chris Hubbard is uh, questionable as well. Tom, the, the Browns are the better team. They should win, but they're certainly banged up right now. They've they've certainly hit the injury bug already in uh, just a couple of weeks here. Yeah, and I thought the Bears played well last week. You got Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith. Um, they know they're going to have to stack the box. Uh, I mean, I don't – outside of – I'm trying to think Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. I can't – to tell you the truth, and I should, I should be able to tell you, but I can't. I can't name another uh, Browns wide receiver. They have I mean, they're just going to have to go to their tight end and Joku about yeah. every time. Right, and he's not bad. But, I mean, yeah, other than that, who I, can you name another – I can't name another wide receiver for them. I really right. can't. 
Yeah. I mean, so Baker's going to have his work cut out for him. But, uh, you know, Chubb, is, I think he'd get his too. But like I said, the Bears got some good linebackers, good line, a fairly decent line. And so they're definitely going to be stacking the box. It's going to look a lot like this orange team is going to look a lot, a lot like the other um, orange team I went and saw this past Saturday. And funnily, consequently enough, uh, against a blue and orange team. So this yeah. is this is giving me very much Boise State, Oklahoma State vibes. Right. It does feel that way. This uh this Browns matchup does. Now, you mentioned Roquan Smith. He was just an animal against the Bengals last week. And I put out on Twitter and I stand by this statement. Roquan Smith, I think, might be or not might be, is the most underrated defensive player in football. We know that Khalil Mack is a star and is just incredible. He's lights out. I love what Khalil Mack does each and every week. He's one of my favorite players in the league. But Roquan Smith there, I mean, with the Browns already having some injury issues and on that offensive line having some issues there, um, they're going to have their work cut out for them. It might be a long day for Baker Mayfield under pressure, especially playing injured, uh, going up against those really good defensive players of, uh, you know, Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith there. Yeah, it might be a long day. And and I don't even know who their backup is if he was to get injured. Um, like I said, both great. I mean, for Cleveland, they got a pretty stout defense as well. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Cleveland's just so banged up right now that, yeah, you know, we don't know what we're going to get. Like I said, it would be a very low-scoring game in my mind. The uh, backup in Cleveland is uh, somebody you're familiar with, Tom. Uh, Case Keenum is the uh, backup for the uh, Browns. I didn't. I couldn't realize he was still in the league. <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, the uh, Ravens taking on the Lions. Uh, the Ravens, really nice bounce back win against the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson was terrific. Um, you know, he's showing his ability to throw the football. And and a lot of folks had questioned that over the last couple of years. I think we've even questioned that. And he looked great. And, you know, his running ability, I love John Harbaugh, trusting him to go for it on fourth down, to go win that game and such. I mean, that was cool to see when you put the game in your players' hands, let them go win it on the field. That was awesome. That's why John Harbaugh is one of the top three or four coaches in this league. He showed why in uh, that performance there. Then you look at this Lions team. And the Lions, they have some issues. Uh, there's not a whole lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball. But that offense, Dan Campbell's done a good job through two weeks. I know they're 0-2, but he's done a good job with that offense. I'm surprised how well Jared Goff has played. Uh, you know, their, their run game's not bad either. I mean, they, they went toe-to-toe with the, the 49ers and then had a good first half against the Packers last week. Um, that's a loyal fan base. That is a fan base that – uh, has been through some miserable times over the last several years. And if there's any silver lighting for this Detroit Lions team, if you're looking at if you're reason to be optimistic, I think you can say without, about this Lions team, Tom, that, you know what, they can put up points. Uh, that's not their issue there in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, it really depends, too. You know, they can put up points. Defense is subpar. It wasn't bad against the Packers on Monday night, but it's a really a tale of two halves, essentially, and in, in what that defense can do um, and, and in what the offense can do, obviously. I mean, you saw what I saw. This is the first game I've seen Jared Goff play, like watch it with my own eyes. 
um, since he played for the Rams. And I didn't know – I kind of knew what to expect, and he gave me exactly what I thought. The first half, Jared Goff looked really good. Even the announcers were like, okay, Goff, we see you. You're, you're out here doing work. You got something to prove. And they had the whole storyline of he needed to go somewhere where he was wanted. And, you know, I hope his feelings aren't hurt too bad. But now he's somewhere he can thrive and somewhere where he's wanted and they want him here in Detroit. You know what? They want Goff in Detroit because they can't get anybody else. They got to want somebody, um, and, you know, and it's like, Jesus, like, don't be giving me this pity poor bullshit on Jared Goff anymore. You know, like any smart fucking person would have traded Jared Goff in a first round pick to get Matt Stafford out of Detroit. Um, like, you know, nothing personal to Goff, but it is kind of personal because the second half gave me flashbacks. I'll go on and get Jared Goff rent second half was what I what has held the Rams back for all these years. Jared Goff, you know, it did start raining a bit, but no, I'm not giving him that. Um, you know, you you get the lead into halftime and you play really well, and then what do you do in the second half? You completely shit the bed. He lost like lost the ball like three times. You know, I think he got it back once, but uh, the other two times just completely just loses the ball. There was one where it just dropped out of his hand. And there was like five times I remember that happening in, in, I almost said St. Louis, in L.A. with the Rams. But, yeah, it's just like, no, I'm done with the pity party. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Jared Goff just turns over the ball like he forgot how to play the game. Um, and it blows my mind. I, I don't understand it. Um, and I'm just so happy it's not for my team anymore. You good now? You got your rant out of the way? Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good. That was, wasn't was an all-time like the Billy Donovan rants all-time. But, yeah, I've said my piece about Jared Goff. I, there's, I'm sure if you're a Rams fan, listen, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a nail on the head. Was that therapeutic? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Jared Goff took us to the Super Bowl. But Jared Goff, we getting ready to put him in the Matt Ryan category. Jared Goff doing Jared Goff things. I don't think he's even earned the uh, Matt Ryan category uh, of, you know, Matt Ryan at least won an MVP and such, you know I mean? I mean, that's true. They both lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. That's true. Colts taking on the Titans. Colts are 0-2. And what do you know? What did we tell you all offseason was that that's a good team, but there's one guy that's going to hold them back, and that is Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz has not done anything spectacular through two weeks. Meanwhile, the Titans looked awful week one against Arizona. Then they go into Seattle, and they just flat out stole a win in Seattle there. They had no business winning that football game. And everything went right for them down the stretch in order to get that win and move ahead to one and one. Now, you look at this week, it's desperation time for the Colts. Tom, if the Colts lose this game and fall to 0-3, it's sayonara for the Indianapolis Colts here. Titans... I feel a lot better about them after winning in week two. They still have some work cut out for them, but this is desperation time for the Colts here. Yeah, you know, I wonder what the line was on um, the Titans just outright winning that division. Um, I'd like to see how quick they could outright win that division because Jacksonville's not going to do anything. Houston's terrible. Um, and the Colts, you know, are they're doing Colt things right now. And Carson Wentz, I'm pretty sure, got injured. Um Eason came in and immediately threw a pick to Jalen Ramsey, which I love to see. But, you know, the Colts did give Ram the Rams a, a few fits. They stuck around. 
there was one fumble in the end zone um, because the ball hit a player on its way to Johnny Hecker. So, I mean, scratch that off of the, the lead if you want to talk about the Colts offense. But, you know, they were a little gritty. Um, but now you, you lose Carson Wentz. And now you, I, I know they're not running Easton in there because uh, he shouldn't even be playing. Um, he, he should be on the practice squad. Um, I, you could see the look on the coach's face when they sent him in. They were like, well, this is all we've got. So, And then, sure enough, right out of the gate, right to Jalen Ramsey. Wentz is uh, questionable. Like, he still might play this week. I mean, but he's so banged up. I mean, he takes one more hit. He's going to, oh, well, I'm out of the game again. So I'm, I'm I'm hoping Easton, if you're the Colts, I'm hoping you gave Easton a lot more reps this week just in case because uh, he's like a, you know, he's like a doll in a china shop and and he's he, at least deep, good defensive line is going to run in there like a bull and Carson Wentz is going to break again. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. The uh, Chargers taking on the Chiefs, and the uh, Chiefs coming off that loss to Baltimore, not concerned at all. They'll figure their stuff out. Meanwhile, this Chargers team, you know, you look at what happened there against the Cowboys on Sunday, and a lot of it was just self-inflicted wounds, you know, mistakes they made on their own. They got to clean up their act quite a bit. I think the Chiefs are going to win. They're at home. They're going to be just fine. And the Chargers about to fall to one and two here. We know this is a talented football team, but it kind of reminds me, Tom, of what we talked about last year with the Chargers, where, you know, there was how many games the Chargers had that were within one possession that if they go different, the Chargers turn those into wins. And now you look at the start to 2021, and they're about to fall to one and two here. <clears throat> I mean, I'm already writing the loss in uh, at this point. Um it reminds me similar to the same thing we talked about last year with the Chargers. Good team, but things don't go their way with a possession or two. We might start to see that trend once again. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the Dallas game, that was unfortunate for them. Um, and I think they still can be a good team. You know, you mentioned earlier Herbert's kind of having a, a rough start to the year. And, uh, you know, it's it's – Still some growing pains, it looks like, for the Chargers. Um, you know, but they better figure it out because the AFC West is growing. The Broncos look good. The Raiders look good. And the Chiefs are the Chiefs. So, if you don't want to be bottom of the barrel, they, they got to figure it out. It's, I don't think it's going to – they're going to figure it out this week against the Chiefs. It's, a you know, a hard one to start, you know, improving things, really. Um, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. So, uh, the Chargers, yeah, it's not – it's looking very bleak. When you're in that division, you know – Every game matters, essentially. It's just like the NFC West. Uh, you know, you lose a game you shouldn't. Well, that might be the difference between you watching the playoffs at home and playing in the wild card round. Yeah, and with the Chiefs, we know their offense is good. Uh, you know, they'll get Tyreek Hill the football again. He'll be just fine. No worries there. The thing I look at is that defense. They give up a lot of points in two weeks. But remember, Tyron Matthew – that was his first game back was last week against the Ravens. And he had two interceptions, including a pick six. The landlord looks really good. I mean, that rent is due and, you know, he's off to a heck of a start to the season. Um, and we've seen what he can do to slow down the run game here. I look at this Chiefs defense. There are some questions, but, you know, you got Tyron Matthew back. You got, you know, Frank Clark, Willie Gay Jr. back. 
this team is going to figure it out defensively. It, it's been a slow start, but give it time, that defense will, will come together. I'm not, I'm not worried right now about that defense, Tom. No, I'm not either. You know, they're they're figuring it out. You know, they're just getting players back, and you know, I think it's kind of one of those. Each weeks we get each week we get better, um, and and I think they'll continue to do so. I mean, it, they have they have that offensive privilege to be able to do so. You know, where okay, offense will take care of you for a little bit. We'll baby you back up to where you need to be until you're ready to roll. Um, so it'll be, you know, they're going to figure it out each week, and then you know, I feel like by week ten, this Chiefs team is going to be one that is not going to lose a game. Um, you know, they might even drop another one. Um, right. You know, and and you, you, we mentioned it earlier in the show, the overreaction. If you're a Chiefs fan, just chill out. <laughs> chill the hell out. Chill the, the hell AFC, out. You know, the AFC, sure, you'd be by the Ravens or whatever. You know, you got the Bills there. The Titans are flippy-floppy so far through two games. Um, and, you know, we saw the Bills team at the bed against Pittsburgh. So it's not like anybody right now is just really coming out and, and slanging it. You know, no one's out here. Every, you know what's funny about this year so far, even in college football, every team looks mortal so yes. far. It's very, it's very early right now. There is. It's very early, but every team looks beatable. No one looks like a clear cut. Well, I mean, right. some somewhat, but I mean, you know the, what I the mean. The biggest problem for the Chiefs is still the same problem they've had for the last three or four years defensively, and that's – the mistakes made by Dan Sorensen and all the playing time they're giving to Dan Sorensen, all those missed tackles he had, and then trying to hear Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator, justify saying that we feel like he's earned more playing time than one Thor, Thornhill right now. I mean, get get the hell out of here. I mean, no, absolutely not. Give one Thornhill more playing time. Get Dan Sorensen out of there. Um, you know, the the Chiefs are doing this promotional campaign right now, where for every tackle they're donating. $35 to big brothers, big sisters and friend of the show. Tucker Franklin had a great tweet the other day. He said, Dan Sorensen hates charity. <laughs> yeah, I can. I believe it. How much are they donating each tackle? $35 for each tackle. Okay. So Dan might've donated $35 this season and that'd be it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's go through the rest of these games. We'll roll through them here real quick. Uh, Saints taking on the Patriots. Uh, the Saints looking to rebound. Patriots, Mac Jones looks really good at this point in time, Tom. I, I have been impressed, but like we've said all along with Mac Jones, it's because he's in the best situation. You know, Zach Wilson throws four interceptions, but is in an awful offense and has no talent around him. Mac Jones is set up to succeed. What, what, what you may think of him or not, Mac Jones is in a great situation and certainly showing so far to this point. Uh, there and uh, this game against the Saints, this is a, this game could go either way. Yeah, I mean the the Patriots look solid so far. Um, you know, Mac Jones seems like he's thriving somewhat. Um, yeah, compared to that situation for the Jets, I mean, it, it just really goes to show you that if you don't have a good structure um, behind even the worst of first round picks, um, that being Zach Wilson, um, that you you really can't succeed. Um, you know, we saw it for years with the Browns. Um, that's what we're seeing with the Jets right now. I mean, it, I don't care if you – Tom Brady would not fix the fucking Jets. I promise. The Jets are a dumpster fire, and I I feel bad because the Rams were that team for so long. Um, but until they just scrape that 
scrape the gunk out of the top office, uh, you're not going to figure it. It's going to be the same thing. I would love to see Tom Brady play for the Jets. I'd be scared. They would. They would. He would take so many hits during the season. It would kill him. The uh, Falcons taking on the Giants. Both teams are zero and two at this point. Tom, uh, the Giants, a silver lining of some sorts. Daniel Jones hasn't looked bad. I mean, he is looked all right to this point. I mean, five hundred yard passing, two touchdowns. Matt Ryan has looked terrible. He's thrown three picks here. Uh, the Giants. With that division, I know they're 0-2. They're not out of it in that division. The Falcons are just a mess. Daniel Jones also still trying to play for a contract extension at this point, too, trying to decide if he wants to be the quarterback of the future or not there with the Giants. Uh, I, I like what I've seen from Danny Dimes at this point. You know, me too. And and I kind of like his story from coming in and taking all that heat of who the hell's this. He's coming in and holding his own, and, and he can run. He's He's pretty athletic. Uh, I know he took off for like a 55-yard touchdown. Did get called back to a flag, but he was hustling. Um, and I was like, all right, Jones, like, are you related to him somehow, Tyler? Oh, not that I know of. Well, that's a shame. Um, but, yeah, he he is a hustler, um, and, and he's, he's pretty gritty, to be honest. I did not expect that. Um, but he's I – like, I like him for the Giants, honestly. You know, he, he might not be – elite uh but i mean it's i think the giants are fine you know and as far as that division goes yeah cowboys look you know they look all right i mean they did scrape one out against the chargers the um, giants have issues but danny dimes is not even close he's to not, the top of their problems no no he's he's fine in, in my eyes and i think he should be fine and the giants front office eyes right now i hope they don't try to scapegoat him for anything because right now he's 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 fighting. Um, just watching him play, he just he's just a fighter. And so I don't. He's not. He's no slouch by any means. He's not the first one they should look to to make change. No, the uh, Bengals taking on the Steelers. Tom, I think the Steelers would like to have Joe Burrow right now because when you look at the Steelers team, the number one thing holding them back is their quarterback, Big Ben. Big Ben has not played up to Big Ben standards. And the run game has not done well. Najee Harris and that offensive line has been disappointing through two weeks so far this year. We know that defense is good in Pittsburgh. Um, Looking at this game here, this is one that could go either way for me and kind of tell us how the AFC North is going to go. Who could challenge the Browns and the Ravens? Uh, Who could be that third team between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh? Right now they look pretty even. Cincinnati's got the better quarterback, uh, but Steelers had the better defense here. Yeah, and you know, I feel like a couple, you know, maybe defensive injuries away from it all coming apart. Um, I mean, they don't have, you know, Najee Harris is not, you know, he's still young, obviously, but he's trying to figure it out. Big Ben, it's, you know, the the bridge is, it's it's already burnt. I mean, it's already done. Uh, you know, this should have should have had a little bit more of a contingency plan than what they have. Um, you know, you don't want to, you want a legend kind of go out on his own terms, but you know, you're with the way that division's growing. Um, you're very, you could very quickly turn around where the Pittsburgh Steelers are fourth in the division, um, in a couple of years if they don't figure out the quarterback situation. I'll be the first one to say Mason Rudolph's not the answer. I, I don't think take a genius to figure that out. No, um, and 
I would say this, Tom, that one more bad start from Ben should give Mason another shot or even Dwayne Haskins. I mean, the Steelers have a certain standard there, and Big Ben's not playing to that standard right now. I mean, I, I Man, think it that, sucks. It sucks to say because I, I mean, think Mason and like Dwayne need to be ready to go. Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, because you know, they're leaning on the defense right now as a crutch and doing what they can. And that, oh, you know, that defense is very opportunistic and could end up leading the league at the end of the year and turnovers made. So, but you know, if you get your offense the ball and you got old noodle arm Ben out there ready to break, uh, you know, you're just going to go back on defense and more time played for the defense could result in more injuries and then the whole bottom could drop out of it. And then you're looking at being fourth right behind the Bengals. Right, right. Uh, Cardinals taking on the Jags. Uh, Cardinals look really dynamic, 2-0. and Jags are a hot mess. Urban Meyer has some problems there. Tom, I fully expect Cardinals to, uh, to win big here. Kyler Murray has been electric. Uh, that offense so good here. Should be an easy day for the Cards. Yeah, I think so, too. And the defense, you know, um, you know, looked fine. You know, against the Vikings, it was a little shaky, and they were essentially a field goal away from losing that game. But Kyler Murray, like you said, has been electric. Uh, they shouldn't have any problem this week. Either defense on fantasy, so hopefully not. The uh, Jets taking on the Broncos. We mentioned how much of a disaster the Jets have been. Broncos at 2-0. and Teddy Bridgewater playing really well at this point, too. This will not be a game that – you'll want to turn on unless you absolutely have to for whatever reason. Uh, the Broncos are going to win. I would be shocked if they even score 20 points. Their their offense isn't going to blow the doors off by any means, but this is probably going to be a, like a 17-10 type win for the Broncos, and Teddy will play good enough. Uh, uh, hide the kids from this one. If this is the only game on uh, that you have locally, uh, go. this might be a good one to uh, go walk the dog or something else. Oh, yeah, go walk the dog instead of watching the game. Yeah, you might be right, um, you know. And I, I think the the Broncos' defense is good enough that I don't think the Jets should, you know, cause any problems. They are playing in Denver. Um, line is 10.5. They could cover. Um, I think Jerry Judy is out still. Um, but Cortland Sutton looks to be the guy. So, yeah, I like the way Teddy Bridgewater is playing so far. The uh, Dolphins take it on the Raiders, and there's a lot of injuries to go around for both teams. No Tua, no Will Fuller for the Dolphins. Meanwhile, with the Raiders, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Richie Incognito are all questionable. With all that being said, Tom, uh, we saw what the Dolphins' offense was without Tua, without Tua last week. It was, it was a disaster. Uh, the Raiders should win this game, whether they have to start Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota, either one. Yeah, I mean, they better um, because, you know, last week after two goes down and, you know, Miami doesn't score a point. I did see a funny tweet. The Chargers tweeted something out and, uh, and a, um, a Dolphins fan account tweeted them and they said, shut up. You guys shouldn't even be posting. You lost this week. And the Chargers account re- or responded to them and they <laughs> said, well, at least we scored points. <laughs> I thought, oof. Um, actually, the Chargers social media coordinator used to be the Spurs um, social media coordinator. I follow her on Instagram, and she's pretty good. I don't know if you've seen Chargers social media, but they are they are very quick-witted. Yeah. Uh, anybody's better than the Falcons. The Falcons probably have the worst social media in sports. 
It's almost as bad as their play on the field. The uh, Bucks taking on the Rams. America's game of the week on Fox. A pair of 2-0 teams. I think this is an NFC Championship game preview. The Bucs have played great through two weeks. The Rams have played great through two weeks. Rams are the home team in this one. Tom Brady's first trip to Los Angeles. Uh, they're at SoFi Stadium here. We'll, we'll pick this game later on, Tom, but this is this is what the, what the people want. This is going to be a shootout. It's going to feel like a Big 12 game, these two teams going back and forth. I'm excited. And Aaron Donald trying to take down Tom Brady – um, you know, th- this game is going to be everything. It's everything you could want. I think the Bucks line, uh, their front line's beat up a little bit, is it not? Uh, just a bit, yeah. I think just a bit. So, you know, you, I, I expect Aaron Donald to get at least one sack on Brady. Um, but, you know, the Rams, uh, in terms of pass coverage, are pretty solid. Um, in terms of the run, maybe not so great. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that duo of jo- Ron Jones and uh, Fortinet. I know hasn't really been getting a whole lot. Um, I think they have one more running back too. That I can't think of off the top. That should get some time. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a battle. If if Tom Brady's going to go against essentially what's the number one pass coverage defense in my opinion in the league, um, and then the Rams are going to have to try to stop the run. And and you know Matt Stafford's going to get his biggest test of the season against the Bucks pass coverage. It's uh, not too bad either. So, um, you know, last year's game, this game was one of the best games I thought um, of the season. So I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if this is, you know, maybe not there. We've already had a couple instant classics this, this year, that being the Ravens and Raiders being one. And I'd even say chiefs Browns was a solid game. I think it lives up to that hype. Yeah. Uh, this one's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Seahawks taking on the Vikings. Uh, Seahawks have looked good through two weeks, even with the loss to Tennessee last week. The Vikings at 0-2 at this point. They're very desperate right now. Tom, uh, I lean towards Seattle to uh, win this game, but Minnesota, we know they can put up points. That's not the issue. It's that defense that's really been lollygagging a bit there. Yeah, you know, and Kirk Cousins had a hell of a game, I thought, last week against the Cardinals defense, it was pretty good. Um, you know, the Vikings can win this game. You got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and even a new guy kind of on the scene, uh, Osborne, I think. Um, yeah. So it's they have the offensive firepower, and, you know, the C- Seattle kind of lost it last week with, um, you know, Derek Henry. I look for Dalvin Cook probably to have a pretty big day. Um, so we'll see if the Seahawks can hold them off. I You know, as much as I – hate the Seahawks I'd hate to see them kind of drop this game you know rooting for the NFC West but uh, it's, it's going to be a close game the Packers taking on the 49ers on Sunday night football the 49ers are 2-0 and to start the year Packers 1-1 one and one, nice bounce back against the Detroit Lions Aaron Rodgers was just terrific uh the Aaron Rodgers of old that uh we saw all of last year and then before you know he laid an egg in uh, week one there Tom, this to me, we've seen these teams, uh, you know, deep in the postseason. This was the NFC Championship two years ago. And I know that the Packers are on the road, but I lean towards the Packers here. I think what we saw in the second half against Detroit is who the real uh, Green Bay Packers are, not what we saw in those first three halves of football they played this year. Yeah, that second half 
Packers team is who we've come what, what we've come to expect of them. Um, you know, San Fran can I think can hold their own. Um, you know, they are kind of injury plagued as well this season. Um, but you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know if you saw and I don't I think this I think it actually was real because I think Dave Portnoy and Aaron Rodgers speak or on talking terms. They regularly talk. But Portnoy posted a uh, a text from Aaron Rodgers that said, you know, he asked him, Hey, are you trying to tank the Packers or Big Cat? says you're trying to tank the Packers and he kind of said I hope you're well Dave right and then you know and did you see like the end he goes much love to you and BC yes after he smoked showed the um the Detroit Lions in that second half so um I think we're gonna see the Aaron Rodgers that we know this week yeah I think so too Eagles and Cowboys Jalen Hurts taking on Dak Prescott and company I'm more excited about the broadcast, in all honesty. I want to see what the Manning brothers have to say about Dak Prescott and breaking down his film and such in real time. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Cowboys, offense looks good. Uh, they have some issues on that defense. We know about that. They're at home here. The Eagles, this is a team that many people were thought, thought were tanking uh, to begin the year, but so far they've actually looked okay to this point. Tom, I lean towards Dallas here, but I'm not ruling out Philly. Philly has certainly surprised me at, at this point through two weeks. Yeah, and you like to see Jalen Hurts doing well, honestly. I know me and my OU quarterback track record doesn't really hold up for me saying that, but, you know, I like to see Jalen Hurts do well. And I like, you know, I like kind of what Philly's got going, but uh, it's going to be a, a classic um, hate matchup between Dallas and Philadelphia, just like it always is. And, you know, I'm slipping, Jones. I have not watched the Manning broadcast yet. Um, how how so have you gotta, not watched the Manning broadcast? I, no, I just was watching on my phone on my little stream link that I use every week. And, uh, you know, haven't watched it yet. And, I'm like I said, I'm slipping. I know. This is the week that I watch it. Man, you got to get together. Get with the program, man. You're missing out. <laughs> I know. T.J. Reeves is going to join us coming up in just a moment. Also got Coach Bo's football fix in our Tom Fulry story of the week as well coming up at the end of the show. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now here at the Jones Report this week is T.J. Reeves, Compass Media Network's college football play-by-play announcer, also the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio network. You can follow him on Twitter at Guy, And he joins us right now. T.J., how are we doing? I am fantastic. We've got football galore. We've got uh, everything happening, uh, it seems like, all at once with the college and NFL season starting up. Here in Champa Bay, my friend, where we have the defending two-time Stanley Cup hockey champions, the defending Super Bowl champion, on the day we are talking and recording this, the Champa Bay Rays, the defending American League champs, have clinched a playoff spot. So the momentum is good. The area is happy. I am thrilled to be back on the Jones Report. Always good to talk to you, TJ, even if you got to brag a little bit about what's going on in uh, Tampa Bay, nonetheless. Uh, we've already moved on from last year's Super Bowl. That's way past us now. Uh, TJ, let's start with uh, your Tampa Bay Bucks that you've been covering there as uh, we look in the National Football League. Big game against the Rams this weekend. The Rams look like a totally different team with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Do you think we're potentially seeing an NFC Championship preview between these two teams on Sunday? 
A lot of people believe it might be the case, and the Rams got the better of the Bucs last year in November, but that was kind of the November swoon where the Buccaneers lost to the Saints at home, the Rams at home, and someone's Chiefs, and then reversed everything after the bye week and didn't lose a game after and have not lost a game. After losing to the Chiefs and going to the bye week, they've now won 10 games in a row. The Rams uh, obviously solid on defense. I am fascinated to see this $5 billion complex. SoFi Stadium is on a $5 billion complex that now includes the NFL network, some uh, retail outlets, some some space for some other things. It's crazy uh, what this is going to be. The stadium looks like something out of a movie, Tyler, looking at it on TV. So First road trip for the Buccaneers. I'm anxious to see how they will do on the road. Loud crowd, full capacity. They're back going crazy on the road games. So this will be a challenge for the Bucs, for sure. Now, there are some concerns about the Bucs secondary and how that they've done the last couple of weeks. Where are you at as far as that goes with this defense? Do you think that's a big issue? I think it's legit. I mean, they lost Sean Murphy bunting one of their stars down the stretch of last season in the postseason to an elbow injury in the first quarter of the Cowboy game. And since that time, the secondary has had trouble against the pass against Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and company for the rest of that game against Dallas. They won it. Yes. But the Cowboys threw and threw and threw on them. And even last week, they were in control for a lot of the game against Atlanta, but Matt Ryan still got his yards, still got a couple of touchdowns in the second half, closed the gap to 28-25. The Bucs definitely have to tighten up the secondary. I mean, you better be ready for Stafford, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, all of those targets they have in, in Los Angeles. You better be ready for them to sling it. Uh, and the, and the Bucs secondary has got to step up. It did step up at the end of the Atlanta game with the game on the line Two interception returns for touchdowns by Mike Edwards, a reserve defensive back slash safety. He came up large. Buccaneers have got some players. Their safeties will hit you. Antoine Winfield and Jordan Whitehead are their names. The cover corners, though, have been a little suspect. They'll get tested by the Rams for sure. Speaking of getting tested by this Rams team, when you look at the Rams on paper, what should be the Bucks' biggest concern? What is it about the Rams that you look at and say, that's going to be a problem? I think this team can score right with the Buccaneers. And so it may come down to, do you turn it over? Buccaneers had one turnover last week, a sack fumble in the first half on Brady. They had four of them in the opener with the Cowboys. They were fortunate to win. I, I don't know. I haven't got this in front of me, but I have to believe the win percentage for a team with four turnovers in a game has got to be around 10% and maybe less that you turn it over that much. So that's one of the undoings. If the, if the Buccaneers lock in with the Rams and give it away a couple times, maybe three times, that's probably curtains. So likewise, Tampa Bay's defense looks to be very opportunistic and take it away. You look at three interceptions in the second half last week, when you had to put the game away with Atlanta, if the Rams are giving it away, advantage Buccaneers. But but turnovers will probably be a big key in this matchup. TJ, I look at this Rams team, and it reminds me similar to the Bucs last year of the quarterback elevating that team so much. I mean, you look at what the Rams can do with Goff, from Goff now to Stafford, and what the Bucs went from with Jameis to Tom Brady and all the weapons that came with it. I, you can make a case, I think, that the Rams are kind of the box of this year. Do you think Stafford is an elite quarterback? Is he taking them to that next level, you think? 
can he take the next steps? And we won't know that answer till December and maybe January, if he can take him to the next step. And let's be fair here. Uh, I was having this conversation with noted football es- expert, Mrs. Reeves, when we were watching the Monday night game, <laughs> she looked at me and said, Jared Goff is on the lions. And I said, yes. And she said, wasn't he pretty good? And I said, they made the playoffs and he won a game last year. So let us not forget. It's not like the Rams had a losing season and golf was terrible. I mean, maybe uh, you wanted to upgrade. Maybe Stafford is that upgrade, but we really won't know that answer until can he win the biggest games and can he win in January from what Jared Goff? I mean, they were in the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as well and won a couple of playoff games that year. So clearly he's shown some ability to do that. Stafford has really not shown that in Detroit. They've not won a playoff game with him at the helm, even though the trade is made. McVay, an outstanding offensive mind. But uh, this is a show-me thing. This is a prove-it-to-me thing, and Stafford still has to do that. Tom Brady playing pretty good at this point to start off the year. Gronk <laughs> you think? catching all sorts of touchdown passes, too. Tell me about Tom Brady and, and, and that bunch offensively. I mean, Tom looks as good as he has in years right now. Yeah, he's supposedly 44, right? We believe that he's four, four years old, born in 1977. He, he's playing like he's 34 still. Uh, He's got the arm at field level. I get the privilege of being down at field level every week with Buccaneers radio. He's got the arm. He can make the throws, uh, can air it out deep. He overthrew Mike Evans on a bomb early on in the second half against Atlanta, where he overthrew him at about 55, 60 yards away, had some mustard still on the ball. So give this guy a time and opportunity. And the Bucs do have so many weapons, as you mentioned, from Mike Evans to Chris Godwin, from Rob Gronkowski, Uh, Antonio Brown at the time we're taping has gone on the COVID-19 list does not look like he's going to be able to play uh, unless he tests negative for COVID-19 two days in a row between now and Sunday morning. He's not going to be able to play in in Los Angeles. So that means the Buccaneers may have to go to somebody like Scotty Miller, uh, Tyler Johnson, a couple of reserve receivers, but they've got so many different weapons for Brady to throw to. And he loves throwing to the backs out of the backfield. Leonard Fournette, Gio Bernard, Ronald Jones may be in the doghouse a little bit. Fumble week one, missed some pass blocks that got Brady hit and sacked in week two. But still, you've got depth. You've got a lot of talent. The real question is, can they keep him upright? Can they keep him healthy, Tyler? Tom Brady, we're talking about if they can, the Bucs have a great chance. We're talking to TJ Reeves here at the Jones Sport this week from the Compass Media Network's College Football uh, Radio Network, as well as the Buccaneers Radio Network. And I want to transition, go around the league a little bit here, talk about the uh, Chiefs now. This team loses their first game of the year last week against the Baltimore Ravens. Everyone around here wants to act like that uh, the the roof is caving in, sky is falling and such, but just one loss. TJ, there's no reason to go in panic mode for this team, right? No, I don't think that you have to panic. You do have cause for concern. I think it's fair to say that you could have you could have lost, should have, could have, would have the Cleveland game. They were being outplayed in the fourth quarter, but what good teams do is they find a way, and the bomb by Mahomes uh, turned that game around to Tyreek Hill. They then got the, D, the uh, special teams miscue by Cleveland and took great advantage of that um, and, and won that game. They let the game in Baltimore get away from them. Lamar Jackson obviously helped lead the comeback there in that one. Uh, And I'm looking at this game with the L.A. Chargers, who played them tough in both games last year, even though the the Chiefs won both games. They were both close. The the Chargers covered in both of those games. This will be a test. It's an early game Sunday at Arrowhead, a noon local time kickoff. This will be a test for Kansas City. 
Yeah, it uh, it certainly will be. And you know, Tyron Matthews back. Uh, you know, Frank Clark, Willie Gay Jr.'s back. But that defense still was not hot at all last week. Uh, there's there's legit concerns, legit concerns with that defense, right? Yeah, I think there there are. Uh, but I, I still. I, I still maintain you got Super Bowl champions that are on that defense. When you're talking about the Honey Badger, Clark, any of those other guys uh, that are there that have that experience, that have that pride, they're playing at home. And this is something we haven't talked about yet on this show, you and I in this conversation, but the loud crowd is back. And Arrowhead, when it's rocking, is deafening. And it will play a factor for Justin Herbert and company. A lot of these teams and a lot of these young quarterbacks are experiencing this for the first time if it's their second go around, like, Herbert uh, in this case, or somebody like Jalen Hurts uh, that's having to play on the road um, in, in these situations. When he goes to play in Dallas, it's a whole different. Now, Dallas did have some fans. Kansas City had some fans, but not at full throat, not at full capacity. That will be a challenge, and I think it will help the Chiefs' defense to have the loud crowd back. Speaking of young quarterbacks, let's go to the NFC. The Bears going to start Justin Fields for the first time as Andy Dalton is out, what's your expectation for Justin Fields in his first career start there against Cleveland? I think that he does some things well. We've seen him in spot duty. We saw him in the preseason for whatever that's worth. We've seen him in spot duty against the Rams and, and against the uh, the Bengals last week. I, I was puzzled as to why they kept playing Andy Dalton when he clearly didn't have any mo mobility in the, in the parts of that game that I saw. He got hurt in the first half. But now uh, Fields has got a full week of practice with the number ones, you would think. They are playing in Cleveland, who's good. This, this is going to be a challenge for Fields in his first game. Of course, he returns to Northern Ohio, where he played at Ohio State uh, the last couple of seasons. Uh, let's see here. It will probably be a work in progress for him, although I like his composure. Uh, let's see if Cleveland can get after him with Miles Garrett and company for the Chicago Bears. We do know one thing in that town. It has basically been an odyssey to try to find the quarterback. And, I mean, we're not just talking about recently with Mitch Trubisky. You can go back uh, to 10 years, 15 years. You can go back to the 80s when they were trying to mess around with Jim McMahon, who eventually won a Super Bowl, or Mike Tomzak or Jim Harbaugh. Move, move all the way forward to the quarterbacks like Steve Walsh and Eric Kramer. They've never they had an elite was, quarterback in the history of their franchise. You, you can't – yes, you can't point to one. Uh, so I don't know that Justin Fields, it's only his third game. You can't say yay or nay on a few games in a regular season, but there's that kind of pressure in Chicago and the eyes are all on him. And Trubisky, Trubisky fell out of favor, basically Tyler in the first part of the first season and never really got it back fully from the bears fans. Let's see what happens with fields. Yeah, let's uh, let's do. And with Justin Fields, we keep hearing that, uh, from their head coach, Matt Nagy, that Andy Dalton's their guy no matter what. And, you know, when he gets healthy, it's his job. Do you think Justin Fields can earn this job when Dalton's out? Is there anything Fields can do to hold on to this, DJ? Yeah, play well and win because <laughs> Andy Dalton's not the future, obviously. I mean, go back to TB12, go back to Tom Brady. Drew Brees got hurt. Brady took over. Brees, or, I'm sorry, uh, um, Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Brady took over. And Bledsoe came back healthy, and Bill Belichick said, we're going with the guy who's winning for us right now. And we have seen that in other situations, too, where because of injury, especially at the quarterback position, if the other guy is playing well, especially for a second week, if Justin Fields plays well this week, and he's good again, they win. And he's good again next week, and they win. He wins a couple of games. You're seriously going to say, no, no, 
Let's sit him back down to watch Andy Dalton, who's clearly at the end of his career, can maybe win a game here or there for you. You talk about Chicago. They'll be ready to come tear Soldier Field down if Fields has won a couple of games. And Matt Nagy, who's already on the hot seat, gets get, gets giddy and says, I- I'm going to go back to the veteran. I'm going to go back to the Red Ninja. That, that, that would be a disastrous move if that happens. I agree. I'm with you 100%. Uh, last thing in the NFL before we move on to college football. A lot of injuries going around, in particular the quarterback position. Uh, some guys getting banged up here. What do you make of where these injuries are at? Who is uh, the most affected right now? Is it Miami with Tua or is it somebody else? Yeah, and again, they, they're not going to have him. I mean, you got to love this. Brian Flores right out of the Bill Belichick mode of tell them nothing, give them nothing, never be straight with the injury. So the Miami media tried five different ways after the game. Uh, Sunday, the 35 nothing humiliating loss to the Bills to find out how hurt is he? We don't know. We're evaluating him. He's day-to-day. Come back on Monday. How hurt is he? Well, you know, we've, we're still checking. We're getting the MRI. We don't know. He's got broken ribs. They knew Sunday night he had broken ribs. <laughs> He's probably not going to play for a couple of games. And now Jacoby Brissett uh, gets the chance for Miami on the road. Oh, goody against the Raiders. Derek Carr's also banged up. For that game, as you mentioned, so there are some quarterbacks uh, that have already suffered uh, some injuries at the beginning of the year, and a lot of and a lot of teams have seen some defensive players uh, go down. Bradley Chubb in Denver with an injured ankle has gone down. We mentioned Sean Murphy bunting uh, of the of the Buccaneers with the elbow injury uh, in the Thursday night opener. He's going to be out at least a month, maybe longer. Doesn't need surgery, but he's going to be out for a while longer. Uh, I still maintain this. You didn't ask me this. They do less hitting now in training camp. Less, you know this, Tyler, and for the audience, less physical contact, full pads in training camp. The guys don't play a lot in the preseason with the physical contact. They come in and do what? Regular season game number one, beat the daylights out of each other for 60 minutes. And the injuries happen everywhere, every year. And then even in the second week, they're not acclimated to the hitting, the beat up bodies, the recovery, and the injuries are everywhere again. I'm not advocating in terms of player safety that you just throw all caution to the wind and let these coaches run them into the ground with two a days and three a days in July and August, but you might have to get back to some hitting in the, in the preseason, in the training camp and during the season, or else you're going to keep doing what you're doing, which is put 53, 59, 107 guys on IR the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. No question. TJ Reeves joining us here at the Joe Sport this week. Let's move on to college football. TJ, I see a lot of parody. Are you seeing the same? Lord, yes. I mean, when you have Oregon come cross country and beat Ohio State, uh, like what happened. I saw Iowa on Compass Media Networks come in and beat a darling, a preseason darling, a preseason top 10 Iowa State team. They handled them. And Kirk Ferentz's team looks really good at the beginning of the year. Uh, everybody, I mean, Alabama got up 21 to three on Florida and you think they're going to blow them out just like they blew out Miami, but Florida came back, played them very tough in the game last week. Uh, I, I really believe, uh, you know, you look at how Clemson has struggled with their first couple of games. The loss to Georgia didn't put Georgia tech away until much later in the ACC game at home. Uh, there is some real parody. There are some teams, Notre Dame, we thought with the Florida state crazy game, and what to think of Notre Dame, because now the next two weeks, they've barely won at home. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see who really begins to stand out over the next a few weeks. Oklahoma had problems with Nebraska last week. They, they were a 20-plus point favorite. It's a one-score game with like five minutes left. 
They did win, but I think there is a lot of even play across college football, yes. TJ, I look at, let's take a team like Oklahoma, for example. At this point last year, they'd already lost two games, and then they went undefeated the rest of the year, won the Big 12, won the Cotton Bowl and such. Oklahoma right now has their issues, sure, but they're going to take time. I think they're going to figure out they're going to be just fine. We don't know who these teams are. These teams are still figuring themselves out, right? I mean, it's it might be a while before we see an Oklahoma or an Alabama play to their standard. I don't think that Oklahoma and Alabama and some of these others are uh, even close to what they're going to be yet. And I think that's a good point. Now, you still have Spitzer Rattler as the quarterback, but you got some new skill guys uh, for Oklahoma, and I will get the privilege later on in the year of doing their game with Texas Tech, all things being equal. Uh, late in the uh, the month of October, I get to do that game. So I'm, I'm keeping an eyeball on their game with West Virginia in primetime coming Saturday night to see what happens in that one. But you're right. you you got to give the Alabama team, they're, tr- they're still trying to figure it all out with Bryce Young at quarterback. Florida's got a new quarterback in Emory Jones and new skill guys. They put up a good comeback again, and Florida may end up getting a rematch with Alabama before it's all over with in the SEC title game if they keep winning. Uh, They're obviously going to have a tough game with Georgia a little bit later on uh, in the year. You're right. Ohio State trying to figure it out without Justin Fields, who we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And they did lose the game to Oregon. So there are teams that are trying uh, to get used to some new players. And it's that way in college every couple of years. It's not like the NFL where you know the same core group's going to be there three years, five years, six years in a row. In college, usually you go about two years and then it's new guys again. So for a lot of these familiar teams, it's new guys that we have to get used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're absolutely right about that. And when you look at, uh, you know, the situation with Alabama and the SEC, Florida goes toe-to-toe. Georgia looks really good. I mean, the Tide might actually have some, some competition, though. I, I think Alabama's going to get better, but – I, I, if you made me say right now, TJ, I'd say George is the best team in the SEC at the moment. Yeah, they look good defensively, and JT Daniels is the transfer quarterback from USC, and he played well uh, at times in the Clemson game and the UAB follow-up game. I know he's been hurt, um, but they are talented. Uh, Texas A&M, very interesting game with Arkansas. Is A&M a challenger? They're having to replace Kellen Mond, but they've got a lot of guys back on defense and skill positions. Uh, Texas A&M had trouble with Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Is that a team that could challenge Alabama as we go along in the SEC West? What about LSU? Are they going to regroup? LSU has Mississippi State this week. LSU looming for a game at Tuscaloosa in November. That's always one uh, to point to. Is it Georgia? Is it Florida out of the East that might challenge them? Yeah, it's clearly still work to be done for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. But the amazing thing is they reload with new players and are still the standard and look like the standard. As much, I live in Florida, as much as the Gator fans want to talk about moral victory, they played them close, they played them tough. They didn't win. Tyler, they didn't win the game with Alabama. Win the game. They didn't win the game. (laughs) In uh, that top 10, there's some some surprises there. Uh, You know, with Iowa making its way to the top five, as well as Oregon, some of these others. What's been the biggest surprise to you so far to to start off the season? That's a good question. Uh, Oregon coming cross country and winning that game for Ohio State really puts them on a high wire because now one more loss basically knocks them out of the college football playoff picture. The second loss always seems uh, to do that um, unless the college football playoff bends over backwards and just 
puts you in, like, for example, when you only won six games and everybody else won 10 or 11 games like last year, but I digress right. about 2020. Uh, but yeah, there, there have been some surprises at the beginning uh, of this season. Clearly that Arkansas thumping of Texas got everybody's attention. I saw Tyler Jones uh, tweeting on Tyler Jones Live about Arkansas putting it on. I thought Texas was supposed to be back, right? That's what you were putting on social media like everybody else. This is like the fourth year in a row that Texas is supposed to be back, and Arkansas just dump-trucked them. Uh, welcome to the future of the SEC and the SEC West, maybe, for the Longhorns. So that was a bit of a surprise. Arkansas may be a little bit of a surprise team. So let's uh, let's just see as the college football season unfolds on uh, on some of these teams and, and whether or not they can sustain it or not. Can BYU or Cincinnati crash the party? Do you think they're going to have a good enough resume to be in the conversation? Impressive win for Cincinnati against Indiana. I was on the Hoosiers as a home doggy on the Three Dog Thursday podcast last week. Cincinnati outplayed them when it mattered the most and got the takeaways and got the stops on the road at Bloomington. That says something. BYU now has two important wins an independent now remember BYU's not in a conference doesn't have the Mountain West Conference championship they're not in the Mountain West Conference but BYU's now beaten Utah and beaten Arizona State my question is can they go on the road and get a significant win or two on the road that will help them come college football playoff time I would say Cincinnati might have the easier road in their conference they get the out-of-conference win with Indiana uh what Cincinnati still has Notre Dame Notre I Dame in South Bend too. yeah in South Bend. That's a humongous resume builder if you can win that game on the road if you're the Bearcats. Yeah, certainly so. The Since we last talked, the Big 12, its future looks different. Four new teams coming in in, in uh, 2023 with BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston with Oklahoma and Texas on their way out. What do you think of the new look Big 12? Is it comparable to what the Pac-12 is now? I don't know. And I, I mean, honestly, I know you're in that region. You're closer to it as somebody that has followed this for a long time, who's worked in and out of uh, college football coverage on national, uh, national radio, Sirius XM, Fox sports radio, been to the biggest of bowl games, BCS title games, been to the college football playoffs and their championship game. Uh, I don't know that the big 12 is still on secure footing just because they made these conference invites because there is a lot of talk. You hear the murmurs, you hear the rumors, you see it on social media. The Big Ten may try to raid Kansas and another team, whether that's Iowa State or whoever that is. The Pac-12 may look to raid a team or two coming into Texas. And if that happens, I don't know that the Big 12 survives even with these new teams. Um, they, they have got to try to stabilize that nobody else leaves right now, even with the ones that are coming in. To, to hold it together for Bob Bowlesby, I don't know that that's a guarantee, Tyler. I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't know that it's a lock certainty that the Big 12 remains stable beyond the next short-term three or four years. Is there any hope for the Big 12 with the Pac-12 negotiating their TV deal first to potentially steal some Pac-12 teams, or do you think that they should maybe even try for going West Coast for a Boise State or something like that? What do you see? Yeah, there's all this, there's all this talk. Didn't mean to interrupt. There's all this talk that the Big 12 should go after a Boise State, should go after a San Diego State, uh, go after the Nevada teams and try to grab them. If you're them, you want Pac-12 expansion. Boise State, the two Nevada teams, the, those are right in the footprint of the Big 12. And let's, I mean, I'm sorry, the Pac-12. Let's be honest. The Pac-12 that has Los Angeles, that has San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Denver, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, 
most of those are major markets with the exception maybe of Portland and Salt Lake City, not as higher uh, populated and higher ranked. If you have all of those things, do you honest to God care about Ames, Iowa? Do you care about Waco, Texas for your TV deals I'm talking about? Do you care about Manhattan, Kansas? Do you care about Lubbock, Texas? You've got all these different major markets and the components. I don't know that the Pac-12 is going to care about that with Big 12 teams. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic if the expansion continues. Who can who can grab what team? Can the Big 12 hold it together? I mean, obviously, the Big 12 can go right back to Memphis, who wants to be in the league, to USF in Tampa, where I am, who's partnered up with UCF in Orlando. They can go right to them and get them if they're losing more teams. But does that make the Big 12 better? I don't know, and I don't think they're going to grab Pac-12 teams. I just don't see that. All right, uh, last thing for you, and then we'll get to your picks real quick here. Uh, college football playoff expansion, uh, kind of on hold, hiatus of sorts. Where are we at with all this? What do you see ultimately happening here? Yeah, they have met this week and, and discussed. They were going to have the just the formality vote next week at the time that we're taping this and ratify the 12-team playoff. But the Big Ten – the Pac-12, the Big 12, they've got the uh, the Lee Corso not so fast, my friend, or the whole, oh, hold up. We, we aren't just going to ratify a 12-team playoff and continue to let ESPN lord over the sport financially and power-wise and scheduling-wise. Um, I, I really believe that you're going to see a delay on the 12 teams. It may end up only being eight teams. I know there is sentiment from a lot of the schools why why do we want to play a fourth playoff game why do we want uh in the case of five through 12 that you have to play a fourth playoff game let's keep it simplified for everybody to play the same amount and play one through eight everybody has to play three weeks to win it has to win three games it's the same for everybody and it may be an 18 playoff uh for that reason and keep an eye on this uh, I believe the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 in particular want to align themselves with Fox, want to align themselves with Fox's networks, with the Rose Bowl, and that Fox may want in to televise the college football playoff in part and maybe on a rotating basis for the championship game. That's the real sticking point for the next year or two. Does another TV entity slide in to what ESPN has had a monopoly on with the college football playoff and the big 10 and the PAC 12 may be interested in doing that with a network like Fox. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Let's go ahead and get to your picks. TJ, you are the leader in the clubhouse after a disastrous How is that 2020. Possible? How you went is seven that possible? and three last week. I, I was so bad last year. I couldn't see a second to last place with binoculars. How am I winning at this point? What's wrong with the rest of you that I am winning? At this All point? of us are under 500 except you and you're 17 and 13. So uh, you will go ahead and have the honors of picking games first this week. And then Bo and I are going to reveal our picks coming up in just a few moments, but let's go ahead and roll through these real fast. Number 12, Notre Dame taking on number 18, Wisconsin, that game in Chicago, Wisconsin favored by five and a half. Who you got? I, I love the setting. I love the Irish here. Everybody had Wisconsin as their darling. I think they take a second loss. I think Notre Dame finds a way, kind of home away from home in Chicago there. Give me the points in Notre Dame to win outright, Tyler. Number seven, Texas A&M taking on number 16, Arkansas. That game in Arlington at Old Southwest Conference, Conference rivalry. A&M favored five and a half. A lot of people love Arkansas, neutral site game here. I think A&M and Jimbo Fisher find a way to win this game. 
Uh, and I will lay the points here. They'll win it by a touchdown. Arkansas, darling win over Texas. They're not beating the Aggies. Number 25, K-State versus Oklahoma State. Both teams undefeated. That game in Stillwater, Oklahoma State favored by six. Uh, K-State still without Kyler Tom- uh, Skyler Thompson. Looks like he's gone for the year, right? The quarterback, yes. even though they're ranked. Give me Okie State. Okie State at home with Mike Gundy. This is, what is it, the 15th anniversary of I'm 40, I'm a man. Mike Gundy is still the man. I'm going with him at Oklahoma State. <laughs> Number 14, Iowa State at Baylor. The Cyclones is seven-and-a-half-point favorite going up against an undefeated Bears squad. Well, I saw Iowa State two weeks ago, and again, Iowa stuffed them in a garbage can and sealed it. Uh, they did feel better about themselves going out to UNLV and winning uh, with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I think Iowa State does do well here, even though Baylor's unbeaten. Give me Iowa State to win this game, and I believe they will cover as well, Tyler. And last college game, LSU and Mississippi State. Game is in Starkville. LSU favored two and a half. My alma mater, Memphis, defeated Mississippi State last week controversially with the punt return and the officiating. But look, Mississippi State had the ball twice after the punt return, scored touchdowns, didn't make the two-point conversion either time. LSU favored in Starkville. Remember a year ago, uh, Mike Leach's first SEC game, they threw for 600 yards on LSU. I've gone back and forth on this game. I'll take Mississippi State at home, getting points at home. I think Mississippi State squeaks out a win over LSU and hands them a second loss. Give me the Bulldogs. DJ, I know you love underdogs, but the Bucs-Rams game is a pick them. Tell me why you're picking the I know. Well, what am I supposed to do on the Jones report here? I'm going to go against the Buccaneers on the road. I'm going to pick them every week. Uh, and, And in this case, I only need them to win. I don't have to lay any points. I think it'll be a fantastic game. Most of the country will see it on Fox with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews and company televising it. I will be out there at SoFi Stadium. Give me Buccaneers to be 3-0 and behind Tom Brady. No Buccaneer quarterback has ever thrown nine touchdown passes in the first two weeks. Tom Brady has now as a Buccaneer QB. They beat the Rams. And you'll be sharing the sideline with Aaron. Tell her hi for me. Um, the uh, Eagles taking on along. <laughs> the Eagles taking on Cal- the Cowboys Monday Night Football. Cowboys favored by four. What are you thinking there? I backed the Cowboys last week against the Chargers. Uh, they played enough timely defense, opportunistic defense. I, I think they'll beat Philadelphia here. I don't know what happened to them last week with San Francisco, who's not very good defensively. They couldn't execute in the red zone, couldn't score. Give me Dallas in the Monday night game to win outright and cover. Packers and 49ers. The 49ers favored by three and a half at home. TJ, I really liked what I saw in the second half out of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay there. What do you think? Yeah, they came around and looked good. Then again, it's Detroit and it's home. This is San Francisco very banged up with the running game. They're going to like third and fourth running back already. Beginning of the year, injuries on defense. Uh, the the, the uh, sexy pick is to take Green Bay as the road dog. I'm staying away from sexy, brother. Give me the 49ers at home, and I'm laying the points with San Francisco. I'm laying the three and a half. 49ers win. Aaron Rodgers is back to moping again. Here we go. So TJ's not bringing sexy back. All right. Chiefs no. and Chargers. Chiefs favored six and a half at home. What do you think, TJ? Uh, this is a scary game for Kansas City just because uh, they are one in six, by the way against the spread at home in their last seven games, one and six, including the playoffs. Uh, The Chargers covered both times, as I said earlier to you in the conversation against Kansas City last year. This is one of my underdogs from Three Dog Thursday and the Three Dog Thursday podcast. I believe this will be a close game. Kansas City might very well win it. 
but give me the Chargers off the stinging loss to Dallas on the last second field goal to cover in a close one at Arrowhead. All right, we better end this interview because you're not making any friends uh, here with that pick. Uh, last I one. That. I didn't say that. I didn't say the Chiefs would lose. I said it's close. Okay, last one for you. Washington football team taking on the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored by nine. Is that too many points for the Bills? It, it could be perceived as such, but I don't think so. 35 nothing over Miami. Um, they are, they are uh, solid all the way around with Josh Allen, a quarterback. I know Washington got the Thursday night win over the Giants. This is not the Giants. Give me Buffalo, and I'm going to lay those points. I think they might win big. Uh, Chase Young's a fantastic defensive pass rusher. They've got a really good defensive line, but I think Buffalo solves them, and I think Buffalo wins and covers that nine and a half or nine. All right, TJ, before we go, tell us where people can find you and where they can check out the uh, Three Dog Thursday podcast. As you just said, find Three Dog Thursday wherever you get podcasts. My thanks uh, to you for helping me promote it. Sports Gambling Podcast helps promote it. SportsGamblingPodcast.com. We have given out Tyler Jones, not one, not two, 11 successful underdog picks the last two weeks. I'm responsible for two of those. Yes, sir. You hit two of those back a couple of weeks ago. So 11 successful doggies on Three Dog Thursday. The last two weeks, we talk college football and NFL underdogs. Find us Three Dog Thursday, wherever you find podcasts. I love the cross promotion. I got to get Tyler Jones back on Three Dog Thursday with me. So I love doing that. And then I'm off to La La Land. I will say hello not only to Aaron Andrews, but I will say hello to all of the big time Hollywood stars uh, that are out there. If I find Jessica Chastain, I'll pass along your number, uh, et cetera, for Buccaneers and Rams, SoFi Stadium, 3.30 Central Time, what, 1.30 Pacific Time that that game is is going on. Can't wait to see Brady and the Bucs against the Rams in that new $5 billion stadium, my friend. TJ, looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us as always. We'll talk in down the line. Always love being with my man, Tyler Jones. Much love for you. Knock him dead. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com as well. You can reach out to Bo by phone, 75-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And also by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y, O'Connor at lpl.com. Also check out O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. And Bo joins us right now from the undisclosed location. Bo, how are we doing? Hey, we're doing good. Yeah, we're over at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. I know where it is. You do. A few folks have been here. <laughs> yeah. So... It's one of those places where if you're not you going to find out, it on the map anywhere. If you find out where it is, then you have to keep it a secret. Yes, yes. This is an undisclosed location. If, if you have been here, you have to take a blood oath. Right. It's like the untouchables. You know, Sean Connery says to Kevin Costner's character, Do you know what a blood oath is? I think so. Well, good. He just took one. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, You've never I seen took, the Untouchables, have you? I have. You have? My, one of my favorite movies. I took the blood oath. Bo has some of my blood sitting there in his office. I, I have blood all over me with these picks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, am I in last place? Oh, well, the good news for you is not everybody's doing so hot. Uh, you and I are both tied, Bo, at 13 and 17. Oof. 
And uh, fade our picks, folks. Fade us. If there's any silver lining, Tom is doing worse than us. He's a game back at 12 and 18. Oh, I thought he was a game ahead of me. No, he's behind. Oh, you know, we just had Tom record a segment from the Coach Bo Knows podcast that's going to be coming out Friday. He informed me that he was a game ahead of me. That would be fake news. Oh, well, that just goes to show. We had a special correspondent at the Oklahoma State-Boise State game. Did you know that Boise is lit? Yeah, we talked about that. I'm going, the top of the show I got to go to Boise. I've never said that phrase in my life. I got to go to Boise. Can LSU get a road game in Boise? I'm going to call Coach O. Y'all schedule that for me because I'll go. I want to play. I want to go to the Blue. I want to see the Smurf turf. And I'm hearing that some of this stuff going down in Boise is going down. I don't know what you heard. Top, hey, Coach Bono's show coming up Friday afternoon. Just get it. Episode 4.5. Thomas Bridges, tell you everything you need to know about Boise. It's good. Don't want to miss it. From the undisclosed location. Yes. <laughs> this is your show, not mine. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> what do we need my show for? We'll just, we'll just talk about your show. You know, I'll just talk about mine, yeah. This yeah. is your show. What do you want to talk about? It's all part of the uh, Studio Soapbox Network. Follow us That's on right. Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox. All right. Let's, let's go ahead and get to the uh, picks this week. This is a okay. tough slate, not going to lie. This is. There were some tough games here. I'm not sure I was sure about any of these games. Well, one, I was. Two, I was. Which means you can fade both of those. Right. We got TJ's picks a couple uh, minutes ago. He is sitting pretty at 17 and 13. He went seven and three last week. Okay. Now, remember last year, we pulled way ahead of TJ early and he just stayed in the rearview mirror. But he has to take the Bucks every week. Right. So last year, we got handicapped because they were like 0 and 8 versus the spread at one point. Right. And so we got way ahead. That's where we've got to beat him. He has to pick the Bucks each week, so we got to get the teams against the Bucks to beat them against the spread, so that we can get ahead of TJ. Right. It's a whole plan here. That's, and see, the next week, a good coach has a game plan. Right. Yeah. And I like your game plan. Yeah. We are down at the end of the what first quarter. We're not even actually a quarter way through this, so yeah, whatever it may be, we, we just we just kicked off. Right. Yeah, we, we just gave up a couple touchdowns. We're yeah, playing we from behind. Touchdown. Look, he's a score ahead. We get the ball in the second half. We're going to sneak an extra possession in before the half. We're going to double up. Boom, boom. We're ahead. As soon as there's like, it's going to be like 12 minutes left in the third quarter, we're going to be ahead. Bo, Just I like the way me. you think. We're going to play defense, and then we're going to go aggressive with the offense. I'm ready to run through a brick wall for you right now, Coach. I'm telling you, I can, I, I can motivate. I can motivate and inspire. We're going to have a great inspiration. We're going to have a great guest Monday. On oh, back to your podcast again. Okay, <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> yes, oh, check, out the, picks. check out the podcast. I, I recommend it. Part of the Studio Soapbox Network. There you go, yeah. once again. All right. Let's get, let's get back to your picks there. Number 12, Notre Dame. I like to refer to them as Notre Dame just because I can. Taking on number 18, Wisconsin. This game's in Chicago. Wisconsin's favored by five and a half. Bo, neither one of these teams have really looked that hot to begin the year. 
I really like Graham Mertz and his potential at Wisconsin, but I don't really like what's around him. And this is one of the deals where five and a half, it didn't matter which one for me was favored at five and a half. I got to go the underdog here. Give me Notre Dame. I'm not confident in who's going to win this game, but I'm not confident enough in either team winning by five and a half. Give me Notre Dame. I would have bet a little bit of money you were going to take Wisconsin here. Um, I'm also taking Notre Dame just because of the spread to five and a half. I watched a good portion of Notre Dame last week, and they, they're they slow. They're slow. So they is Wisconsin. Slow. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. So is Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin will have the best player in the field, but he's only a sophomore. Right. So I, I don't I – don't, part of me wants to pick Wisconsin, but my initial inclining was to go with Notre Dame just because of what I saw last week. Notre Dame didn't play bad. They just don't play fast. And so I, I think that means they stay in every game because they do play so slow. It's hard to get way ahead on them. So that's why I'm going to go with Notre Dame. If this were a smaller spread, I would take Wisconsin. But I will jump on Notre Dame here as well. Okay. So we both agree there. How about number seven, Texas A&M, taking on number 16, Arkansas. This game going to be played in Arlington. Texas A&M, about a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, Texas A&M only scored 10 points against Colorado. 10 points. They won 10-7. to seven. <laughs> I feel like that's all that needs to be said. And Arkansas kicked the crap out of Texas, as we know. I don't know if Arkansas wins this game outright, but lay the points of the Hogs. Give me the five-and-a-half. I'm going to go the direct opposite. This is not going to be overreaction, Bo, here. I'm going to take Texas A&M. They're the better team. They're the better players in the field. They're the better coach. Um, I'm not going to overreact to Arkansas beating Texas. They really, they, 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 they stomped Texas. And A&M did not play well against Colorado. Um, I, think that, I think that Jimbo Fisher's a good coach. They're going to get some things queued up. I think A&M is going to get back to being the team we think they are, and I think they're going to start it here. So I'm going to take A&M. Are you saying I'm overreacting? Yes. Oh, yeah. You Obviously, bitch. someone has talked to somebody. You bitch. Wow. <laughs> How dare Mr. you? Mr. Overreaction, Tyler Jones. Hey, you, you hey, should. I'll call you out for it. Like, I already got you on my pod calling you out on it. Okay. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> overreaction Jones. No, no, I, I keep it 100. Overreaction Jones. I'm going with it. I keep it 100. I keep it real around here. I'm the biggest realist there is. And I believe what my eyes have shown me. Uh, give me Arkansas with the points at five and a half. Number 25, K-State taking on Oklahoma State. This game in Stillwater, the Pokes favored by six. This feels like a Big Ten game because, Bo, there might not be more than – 15 pass attempts combined in this ball game. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> K-State's the only, play, only team I think has a fullback. I mean, they have an actual fullback. You know, he's a Lawrence kid, Jackson Nee. Yeah. So, Pretty good and, one, and too. I love Jax. Hey, and, I, and I like Jax a lot. He's a good kid. Good kid. He's a good man. You probably need like a fullback Jax. in this game with uh, how much these teams uh, they, oh, oh, Jax is going to have a hell of a game. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, K-State's the only place you can have a, a traditional fullback. Um, you would Oklahoma think the State SEC. needs it now. They, they got those guys they call cowboy backs. Yeah, they play tight end and fullback. Yeah, we used to call those H backs when I was when I was young. But you're not Mike um, Gundy, so you don't get to call cowboy. Backs. Gundy, he's a man. He's he's fifty now. He's fifty four now. 
Yes. Four. Has it been 14 years since then? 14 years to this day. Is he going to, it's 14 years. Is he ever going to have another job? You know, I would like to see, here's what I would like to see from Mike Dundee. This will never happen, but I would love to see, let's get him to USC, do a reality show. We could even air it on his favorite network, OAN, while we're at it too. You know, I don't <laughs> want him anywhere near the USC program. Um, I think that if we're going to go that far, you might as well get him hired at like, um, you know, one of these directional schools, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm kind of talking to half out my ass here. Um, I, my Gundy's a decent coach. Uh, I'd like to see, see what he could do somewhere else though. Um, I'm taking Oklahoma state here. I was impressed by them going into Boise and winning. I'm trying not to be, I'm trying not to be overreaction Jones here. Um, I just, you're right though. This is going to be low scoring, but I think Oklahoma state pulls away late. I'm going to go K state. I don't know who wins this game. I would lean towards Oklahoma State, but I don't see OSU beating this Kansas State team by six points. Kansas State's been so respectable. I think that of all the Big 12 teams, they have been the most shocking how well they've played. With the Stanford win, last week, first game without Skylar Thompson, they take on a Nevada team that has an NFL talent, and Carson Strong is projected to be a top – 15 pick and they blew the doors off. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from the cats. I'll go K state to cover at six. Um, Number 14, Iowa state taking on Baylor, Iowa state favorite at seven and a half. Bo, I am not going to overreact to Iowa state's lackluster play to open up the year. I think Iowa state's going to be just fine. We know that they're a different team when it comes to the month of October. We're almost there. Not quite yet. Baylor's look good. They beat my Jayhawks pretty bad last week, but I think Iowa State can win by seven and a half. Give me the Cyclones. I'm going straight overreaction Jones on this, and I'm going with Baylor. Too big a spread, that's all. It is, this is a game that stays close to the end. Uh, big seven and a half. That hook, I'll take, I'll take Baylor at seven and a half. LSU taking on Mississippi State. LSU we'll favored by two and a half. Bo, tell me why you're taking LSU. Because they're LSU. I don't pick against my Tigers. I mean, that's, that's just tell fact. me how well that worked out for you against UCLA. Hey, look, we don't have to talk about that. Yeah, look, we do. Past this prologue, okay? We just let it go. <laughs> We're going to be all right. We're going to win in the SEC. They got exposed against UCLA. We had a quarterback who was getting his first start on the road. Okay, just relax. All right. Look, they had, Johnson, it was a home game in LA, it, pretty much. Max Johnson played really bad in that game. Um, I think he's going to play a little better this week. Didn't you pick him uh, to win the Heisman? I said I would bet I'd bet those long, long odds on it. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, with, okay, trying to rewrite it. It's an investment. If you can make a little something, you know, long odds, you take Sure, it. sure, sure. He was not my, my pick for the Heisman, if you recall. Uh, I think you're, having, you're rewriting history here, but okay. I'm not rewriting it. I didn't pick Max Johnson to win the, the Heisman. Mm. I told you that I thought if I was going to bet on somebody, I liked 50 to 1 odds. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, hey, all you're right. gonna put ten dollars on somebody. You want to pay get paid ten bucks? You want to pick some dude from Oklahoma that's gonna pay you what twenty to ten, or do you want to pick the LSU kids and pay you fifty to one? <laughs> now, I'm about to I'm about the big money here. I big <laughs> money bow, baby. That's how we do it. It goes big around here. 
Who's going to lose to LSU? Or going to lose to uh, UCLA? Yeah, we're not going to we're not going to lose anymore. All right, so I I got LSU minus two and a half here. I got um, LSU here too. Mississippi State. Uh, I know that they're good. still crying about that Memphis game last week, but yeah. uh, Mississippi State's just not that great of a football team. They're not. They're just not real good right now. They don't look right. That whole system with Mike uh, with um, Michael H. Um, the Pir- yeah, the Pirate. They just don't look right. He doesn't have what he wants there yet. They could be dangerous into the season. They could be dangerous next season as he gets the players into his system. But right now, I, I think I like LSU in this game. All right, so we agree there. Uh, we agree on about two games so far. Let's go to the NFL. Bucks and Rams, it's a pick em. This is everybody's favorite type of game to bet on because you get to don't have to worry about points just to pick them right down the middle. Bucks and Rams, it's even. It's in L.A., Bo, I think this is an <laughs> NFC championship preview right here. Did Tom tell you that? No, I have said That's that. Exactly from- what he and I talked about. So, yes. Um, the Rams I think were my pick to win the Super Bowl out I, of the NFC. I think these two teams are the two teams that look the best of all the teams in the NFL so far. I think these are the two best teams I've seen so far. Um, I like the Rams at home. And I think because the Rams have the formula, the formula against the beat the Bucs is to get pressure on Brady with four and to play good defense. Uh, we know that Antonio Brown is on the COVID list. We don't know if he's playing or not. Um, you know, the Rams can put Jalen Ramsey in the backfield. They can put, they can take away somebody, whether it's Gronk or whoever they want at certain times. And then Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's going to sack Brady a couple times. It's going to be the difference in the game. I like the Rams. I like the Rams too. And for me, it comes down to the Bucs and their secondary issues. I think Matthew Stafford, this is going to be his coming out party. He's going to have himself a day and the Rams hold serve at home and win this one. Uh, I'll go with them to uh, win, win outright as uh, in this pick them here. Eagles and Cowboys, Monday night football, Dallas, a four point favorite at home. Bo, the, uh, the Cowboys, how about them Cowboys? Not bad to start out the year. Probably better than expected. Yeah, I, the Cowboys, I'll say it this way. They've got an MVP candidate quarterback. Yeah, they do. I mean, he's good. He's, he's earned my respect. He's earned my, he's earned, he's earned my fandom now. I've never rooted for a Dallas Cowboy, and, and I like Dak Prescott. Um, I think that they're a decent team. I like Dak, and I like those two receivers. Um, I the, the the formula of them winning this past week, they did what Coach Bo told them to do, and that was run the damn football. If they run the ball as many times as Dak has to throw it, they're going to win the game. They're going to be hard to beat when they do that, too. Well, and, and one more point. They realize Zeke wasn't working, gave Tony Pollard a shot, and Pollard was yeah. great. They need to run Pollard more. Yeah, yeah I think just, you, you find the hot hand. You find the hot hand week to week, and – Zeke's the guy. He's the better athlete. He's he's just. I, I would be. I would. I would rather give the ball to Zeke, knowing he can break something. But when Pollard's hot, you keep going to the hot hands. So you kind of get you get in the in the game. You kind of get the feel for that. That having said that, I think the Cowboys are a much better team than the Eagles. I think the Eagles are again. I think they've. I think the Eagles are awful. <laughs> they're awful. I don't expect this game to be. I think it's going to be a huge blowout. I think the Cowboys come on Monday night. 
We're all going to be watching the Mannings and focusing more on the Mannings guests in the third and fourth quarter than we are on the game because the game is going to be a damn blowout. I don't think the Cowboys can blow out anybody, but I do have them winning this convincingly. I think they win by a touchdown here. I think it's 14. Uh, and cover that four-point margin. Uh, Cowboys defense is still pretty bad, Bo. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not willing to go out there yet. I'm not uh, willing to put up anything on the Eagles offense. Let's go to the uh, Packers and 49ers. Niners, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. How are we feeling, Bo? Wrong team favorite. Agreed. Packers going to win this game. Vegas is paying too much attention to what happened in the first three halves of Packer football. I think they turned a corner in the second half against the Lions. I think so, too. I think that I mean, in the second half, we saw Aaron Rodgers become Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is back. You know what? It, just when you think you've got him down, he surprises. He, he just reminds everybody. He just says – He's like Rick James. I mean, I'm Aaron Rodgers, bitch, and he's going to win the game. And, yeah, the Packers are going to win this game. They're going to win it. Um, 49ers are improving. They're, they're not as good as they were two years ago, and they just don't have enough weapons now. I mean, I see them turning the corner to being a good team. What's going to hurt the 49ers in the long run this season is that division's tough. That's the toughest division of football. I'm tired of seeing Garoppolo. Well, I think they need to go to Trey Lance. Go ahead and just do it. Go to the kid. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets if, – if Garoppolo has a bad game here, they do make that change. But um, I think the story of this is going to be Rodgers going out to California, no cow. And he's from up there. You know, he was a Montana guy when he was a kid. You know, this is the – this is where he wants to show out to. So, I – I think this is going to be all Packers, all Rodgers. He's going to have one of those huge games. I just hope I'm not playing against him in fantasy anywhere. Chiefs and Chargers, Chiefs favored by six and a half at home. Chargers, there were some high hopes on this team entering 2021, but so far they haven't passed the smell test, Bo. Yeah, so I watched a little bit of their game this past week too, and I, I don't know – I don't think they know who they are yet. Um Having said that, I think the Chiefs are having a little bit of identity crisis. I, I don't want to overreact to the fourth quarter of the game against the Ravens, but I thought that here's where I think the Chiefs have a bigger problem than probably stated, is that I thought the Chiefs' defense was going to be better getting Tyron Matthew back, but they didn't play him right. They've got him playing just he, – he's a safety, but where you get Matthew at his best is when he gets to play up against the run, and they should have done a lot more of that against – against the Ravens, if you see that, if you see Matthew up in the box a little bit more, then I like the Chiefs. Um, but that spread, it's a touchdown. I'm going to take the Chargers in the six and a half. I think this is like a four or five-point game. Um, I think this is all going to be about, you know, how does the Chiefs' defense play? The Chargers, I mean, I can see them scoring points. They have the ability to score points. And they got a kid with a cannon back there in her. So let's see what happens. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm maybe a little bit of an overreaction here myself, and I'm not. And again, I have a feeling I know why, but it's not just to the game. The Chiefs have started slow in both games this year, and I just don't. I don't know. I just don't have a good feel for that defense. I don't think the Chargers are going to win. Chiefs right. will win the game. I think it's a four or five point game, six and a half. I think the Chiefs' biggest problem has been stopping the run. I'm not concerned about Austin Eckler 
I think the Chiefs will contain him and they'll force Herbert to throw the football. I think they make a statement here. I think this is where the Chiefs show, hey, they're back. This is who they are. I, I like them to win by 10 and cover that six and a half. The football you team well could be right, too. The football team taking on the Bills. Bills are at home, favored by nine. Bo, nice win for the Bills last week. Good bounce back after falling to the Steelers week one. Now I wonder what Bills team we're going to see on Sunday between uh, them and Washington with them favored by nine. I think we're going to see it in between of week one and two. I think the Bills are going to win this game, but it's hard to give nine in the NFL. But a mass of two scores, that's just too hard. Up Washington plus nine. That's a lot of points. Um, I don't. I don't have a real good feel for it. Um, I tell you what, I did notice Thursday night's game. I like Heineke. I do too. I think he's a solid quarterback. He's not going to be a an MVP candidate. He's not a guy that's going to win fourteen out of seventeen games. But man, I like he's accurate. He seems to make good decisions with the ball. The one pick I saw him throw just a hell of a play by the defensive back. Jumping across the receiver the way he did. I mean, he just timed it perfect. Um, so I think that's part of my thinking here. I, I think that it's going to be kind of one of those games where you kind of hang in, hang in, and you know, right around seven the whole game. Uh, you know, a late score is what's going to change the spread here. A late score one way or the other. So it's hard to hard to beat anybody in the NFL by 10, practically. So I'll take nine. All right. I'll go with Washington here too. Um that defense, Chase Young and company, I think that they He's a man. are too good for the Bills to win by nine right now. Yeah. Um, I think the Bills win, but I think this is a four- or five-point ball game. I'd cut that in half. Um, if I was betting on this, I'd be tempted to take a, a teaser bet, bump that up to give me six or seven maybe even uh, at that point. So there you have it. Our picks against the spread this week presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Let's go over a couple headlines, Bo, uh, before we run here. We mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and wow, the the flip just switched in that game against the Detroit Lions. They were in sync. He was playing well. Everything came together. The defense, which has been a problem for the Packers, played much better in the second half. What did it take for this Packers team? And I get it. You, you take it with a grain of salt because it's still the Detroit Lions. But what did the Packers figure out collectively in that second half compared to what they had done in those first three halves of football to open up the year? Shut up and get out of Rodgers' way. Plain and simple. I mean, it's, they played like it was Rodgers out there playing in the schoolyard. And that's what he does best. But what about the defense, though? The defense, defense turned on. I, I think the defense reacted to the offense. I think sometimes your defense just looks and says, okay, let's go. Um, you know, I think a lot of it also was that we saw, we watched the Lions, we saw why the Rams treated Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, I mean, that's what he was as a Ram. He was really good in the first half of games. And then if you start making adjustments, he can't adjust against you. Um, I think that was a big part of it. I, I think that – I mean, I think the Packers are a complete team, and they have, you know, what amounts to being, I think, the most talented quarterback of all time, you know, their quarterback. I mean, he's not the greatest quarterback. He's the most talented. Um, I, I just 
I think a lot of it is kind of shut up and get out of my way. You guys in the defense keep us in this game and I'll win it for us. And that's what happened. I mean, they just, you're right. They, they flipped the switch and, and all of a sudden it was on and popping. I think that, I mean, the, the, the lions, I saw some good things from their team. They are way less talented than the Packers, but their coaching staff is really good. I saw some things like, okay, when this team's got some talent and some experience, they're going to be good. Uh, they get some, uh, they get some good DBs in that that system. They're running a uh, system defensively like the Saints do, where it's basically a front four and two linebackers. They play a nickel most of the time, where the with the safety in the middle is kind of like Matthew, where you can play him up as linebacker as well. Um, but they just don't have athletes those positions yet. Once they do, that could be good. I kind of like what they're doing there. Um, I just think they got the Packers played a really inferior team. And Jared Goff did what Jared Goff does. There's a reason that the Rams sent him packing and took a big salary cap hit to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you can see why they said, Hey, we can't win a Super Bowl with this guy. And I think that we saw that this week that you cannot win a Super Bowl with that guy. Right. Right. The uh, Manning broadcast, you and I have been watching it each week. I thought the second week was better. The ratings were incredible. They went from 800,000, which was solid week one, to 1.8 million viewers, which is just unheard of for these alternate broadcasts. And now the rumblings are starting about, okay, when is this going to be the main ESPN broadcast? ESPN has until 2026 till they get the Super Bowl rights. They want Peyton in that booth by 2026. I mean, all of this is moving quickly. I'm excited. I love it. It is appointment viewing to see these guys. And the thing I would give them the most credit on, Bo, is that, you know, when you're a broadcaster, and you and I have been in this position before, when the game's decided or out of hand, you have to find a way to keep it interesting. Yeah. That conversation with Pat McAfee, who I love. I love Pat. I love Pat McAfee too. That was incredible. Like I was, it didn't matter what the score was. I was not turning it off as long as Pat McAfee was there. That was great. Yeah. You know, ESPN missed the boat. They didn't put him on Monday Night Football in the first place. Yeah. And they, they should have, they could have a couple of years ago. Um, he, he's great. And, and I, I think the, I said afterwards, I think I'm going to text you this. I said, I'd love for McAfee to be like the host. With the Mannings. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, he'd be the one that's kind of playing the quarterback. I did see Eli was on the McAfee show on Monday before they went on to do the broadcast. And Eli made it sound like he got talked into doing this show. Like it's it, it's clearly Peyton's show, and Eli is just kind of the, the guy riding with him, his brother. Right. Um, but man, I think Eli does a good job. I think they both do a good job. And I, I loved I like, the, uh, the the joke that Eli made uh, when Peyton called the uh, play wrong when he predicted oh, a, yeah. uh, a run nice job, reaction, Romo. and he said, "Nice job, Romo." Job, <laughs> <Not> Romo. <laughs> yeah, Making fun of his forehead. Eli like is the perfect counterpart to Peyton. Yeah, the, the Mannings don't like Romo for some reason. I don't. You know, we saw that thing with. Did you see the thing with uh, Peyton and Brady? where they went and hit golf balls at Jim Nance's house. Yes. You know, they kept making jokes about the, the, the gate code. And so Peyton says, try Romo. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think Peyton Manning likes Tony Romo. Peyton sure loves to talk about Tom Brady. He does. He's got, I think Peyton Manning's going to man crush on Tom Brady. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's jealous. Look, I love Peyton Manning. I like Peyton Manning more than Tom Brady. But I, I think that Peyton, I think Peyton doesn't like Brady. I think Peyton likes making fun of Brady because Brady's the good looking one. <laughs> yeah. Um, rookie quarterbacks. Let's talk yeah. about those guys. Um, we've seen Zach Wilson look awful. Four interceptions last week, more interceptions than he had the entire year at BYU last year. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked too hot, although he's in an awful situation. We saw Justin Fields a little bit last week. He's going to make his first start this week uh, against Cleveland there. Mac Jones has looked solid in New England. Uh, we're going to see – uh, the uh, the Stanford kid, Davis Brim, starts for the Texans this week. And uh, on top of that, we uh, have seen Trey Lance, some bits and pieces and such. What's been your takeaways from these rookie quarterbacks? Well, on the uh, let's start with the first one you talked about was uh, Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm kind of giving Zach Wilson a little bit of a pass. We talked about this. I think we talked about this in the show after the draft. It's like, are we sure that the Jets can be trusted to take a quarterback that high? Um right. You know, it, it, he's just in a pathetic situation. I mean, there's nothing good on that team. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I hope they'll be better, but that's not a good situation at all. And then go to Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's on this terrible Jags team. I mean, they can't stop a nosebleed, and he, he's throwing interceptions like crazy now. Um, you know, there's going to be growing pains with any rookie quarterback. And um, that's just going to be expected. I mean, hell, Joe Burrow threw three interceptions this past week. He still, Baker still don't deserve him, but you know he's he, he's in, and he's in year two. Um, but I think that it's Harley's rookie quarterbacks. That's why I've always been a guy that says you either have to play them and ignore the results, or you have to settle. And I think in a lot of cases, I, I think the ones that are starting now all should be starting. Just because I mean, they're not going to – the teams aren't any better or worse without them. So you might as well let them get hit. Might as well let them get, get, get into the play of the game. Um, you know, you get some – you get battle-tested when you get your ass kicked a little bit. And there's a reason these quarterbacks were all drafted. They're drafted on bad teams because you know, they're all high picks. They're all players that are – these teams have high picks for a reason, the bad teams. Yeah. The Super Bowl champ doesn't pick first overall. You know, so – I mean, there's a, there's a reasoning for that. And I think these, a lot of these guys not going to great situations. The two that I think went into the best situations were Mac Jones. And I guess he's earned it. I mean, he's earned being a starter, at least in the eyes of Bill Belichick. Uh, I mean, there's more to it than that. And then uh, Trey Lance, when he came into a great situation, just because they were not going to give up on Garoppolo and it kind of let Trey Lance with the speed catch up. You know, he doesn't, he's, He's never played at anything at high speed. So that's a bit of concern of mine from the get-go with him. But I think these rookie quarterbacks, he's got to kind of let them make mistakes. Um, the one I think will be most successful this season looks like Mac Jones, but that has nothing to do with Mac more than it has more to do with the situation. Right. I mean, I, I hear Boomer Esiason, and I, I know you're not a big Boomer Esiason fan. Um, he said this past week that he's already – ready to say that Mac Jones is the best quarterback in this class and that part of it is the situation, but I'm like, I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm still high on Trevor Lawrence, but 
you got a head coach that's already making excuses that's saying every week's like playing Alabama. He's got no talent around him and such. I mean, give these guys time. Why are we pushing this narrative already? Mac, don't get me wrong. Mac's been good. But, I mean, pump the brakes here, folks. Let these guys play it out. the best situation with the best team around it. Right. To Boomer Esiason can say that. But at the same time, that's like going back and like going back to last season, half a half a year, half a year in, and going Herbert was a better pick than Brutton Burrow. Right. Is anybody actually sure of that right now? No. Now look, it might be Herbert's Maybe got a Boomer better <laughs> Screw him. I mean, he's not right. There's no absolute to this. Right. And none of these guys are in a perfect situation. The best situation is the Patriots quarterback, and so that's right. great. So, of course, it's going to look like he's the best one of all of them. He's in the best situation with the best coach. I mean, right. Screw Boomer Esiason. I wouldn't let that guy be on my podcast. I'm surprised he can even think. He got hit so many times in the 80s. The concussions that guy had. <laughs> the Bengals deserved uh, Boomer Esiason. They deserve Boomer Esiason. They don't deserve Joe Burrow. Josie, I got to tell you, if I win the Powerball, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to use all my Powerball winnings this week, you know, 400 plus million to get a group together to buy the Bengals. And we're going to do two things. One, we're moving them to hell out of Cincinnati. I mean, well, what's there to do with Cincinnati? I mean, come on. We're on to Cincinnati. What are you going to do? I mean, we're, we're out of here. You know, take your skyline, chili, leave it there. You know, sit on macaroni. I don't care. We're out of here. And then I'm firing every single person in the front office. And I'm going to the Joe Burrow, and I'm going, what do you want? And what if he says Ed Orgeron? If, if he says Ed Orgeron, we're going to bring in Coach O. We're going to give him the best offensive coordinator you can have and the best defensive I might bring in Marvin Lewis to be the defensive coordinator. Oh. <laughs> you know, Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator. And you say, okay, all right, what do I have to do here to get this guy on my staff? Um <laughs> No, I would tell I would tell Burrow, hey, what offense you want to run? Who, who do you need here as your QB coach? Who do you want here as your OC? So you would do things the exact opposite of the Packers. Yes, <laughs> I would be decisive. <laughs> hey, the Packers have shot themselves in the foot because of the way they're set up. I mean, we're not going to go into all that right now, but yeah. So if you know anybody that's got a couple hundred million laying around and they want to be a minority owner, because I'm gonna own half a team. You know, and I, and it, like Jerry Jones, I'm installing myself as the general manager. Oh, God, of course you would. Hey, hey, you're lucky I'm not going to be the head coach. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to watch that much film. I'm going to I'm gonna check with Boomer size and see if he can help me out. He's not coming in again. He's not welcome in the, in the owner's box. I want just you in a room with Boomer. I'm glad. I would just – I would just have, look, <laughs> Boomer size and all obviously is a very intelligent football guy, but some of his takes are just, just – they're, they're New York sports talk bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. They're New York City. I have to have a strong opinion because that's what New Yorkers are. I got to have this opinion that's strong and full of bullshit. That's all it is. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm not here to debate it. I'm not, I, I don't believe in a brace debate. That's bullshit. No, I just, no, it, it, Boomer Esaias and he, he wants to have a hot take. His hot take is that Mac Jones is the best quarterback in the draft class already. Now, what kind of hot take is that? 
<laughs> Honestly, what a hot take. Get out of here with your bullshit. No. That's not a hot take. You want a hot take? A hot take is saying the Steelers are going to finish last in the division. I made that prediction. I still stand by it. Let's move on to college football. I'll yeah. start off with a hot take. You want a hot take? I want a hot take. Let's see what you got, big boy. Let me get All some right. New York City hot take bullshit from your ear. <laughs> My college football hot take um, on this day, we're recording this on September 22nd. The what Iowa Hawkeyes are going to make the college football playoff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really believe that, but it sounds sounds. Good. Oh, my God. I, I, can you mute me for a minute? I'm about to cry laughing. <laughs> I don't really believe that. I just wanted to get a reaction out of you. Oh, you got one because they're not going to the college football playoff. Like <laughs> stand up. <laughs> My point being, here's here's where I was really getting. At. Okay, let's hear your point first. <laughs> what I was really getting at, and I was going, I was all all bit. I was being total shock jock there, um, like Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason, right. My point being, there's a whole lot of parity in college football right now. Where did this come from? You know, recruiting. It's come from we've got one team that recruits better than everybody. And then we've got everyone gets the one or two players they want. And they, it's, everybody seems to have a chance every week, except for Alabama. Alabama's going to beat everybody. Total fluke that Alabama goes even close to Florida. That'll be the closest game Alabama plays all season. <laughs> There's a hot take. Um, and down until they the play field, Georgia in the yeah. SEC championship. Until they play Georgia in the SEC championship. Um, no, I, 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 it's a good question. I think it's because of so many different systems and so many, and you go in and pick the players you want to fit that position. And if you coach them up right on any given day, they can be exactly what you want them to be. And that's not going to happen every single week, but it can happen in a given time, in a given moment, in a given situation. What I would say, Bo, is we're going to see parity for a bit, but the cream will rise the top. I think Oklahoma, and I know you texted me the other day calling them a fraud. I think they're going to get a lot better. I think Alabama's going to get a lot better. Uh, I think Clemson will get better. I don't know if Clemson makes a plot, but they'll get better. We are still very early on. These teams are still figuring themselves out. Um, much like we talked about with the Bucks of last year, of where they're at at the beginning of the year compared to how they finished, we'll see the same thing in college football. I'm not concerned about your Oklahomas, your Alabamas of the world. They'll get it together. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's going to – there's always that one shock. I mean, one team comes out and beats somebody. You go, oh, how, how the hell did that happen? That's just the nature of sports. It's the nature of you play a game 100 times, you might beat somebody 10, but damn it, today's one of those 10. Um, I think you're right that, yeah, Oklahoma is going to be okay. You know, I, they didn't play well last week. They didn't play well in the second half against Tulane. Um, that's where I would text you they're a fraud because how bad they played in that game too. Um, you know, AM is one of those teams that's supposed to be better than who they are right now. You know, we're both we're both talking about how we don't really think AM is a great pick against Arkansas. You know, and that's a team that's the seventh great team in the country. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, do we really think that they're not as good as Arkansas? I mean, that's an example of that. So I think you're right. I think that as the game, season plays out, you'll see parity and then it's cream will rise to the top. So um, with that being said, I mentioned Iowa jokingly. Um, that's They're in the top five right now. Yeah. Oregon's up there. <laughs> Who is a team that we didn't necessarily give a whole lot of credit to at the beginning of the season that – maybe playing well now, or you expect to get better later, whatever it may be. Who is a team we weren't talking about at the beginning of the year that you expect us to be talking about at the end of the year? I know you were high on USC, but they've made a, a coaching change. And I'm not now. I can't, I can't be now because the situation's bad. Um, I think Oregon's still going to be standing there at the end. I'll take you a team I think is after the 3-0, and I think it's a good team, BYU. What about Penn State? they got the most impressive resume in the country. Yeah. They may be. They may end up. They may end up. So does Penn State play Ohio? I don't know how the divisions work. Are they in the division with Ohio State and play Ohio State? So Penn State, their schedule, they play Ohio State on October 30th in Columbus. Okay. Does Iowa play Penn State or Ohio State or both this season or neither? Uh, Iowa, their schedule. I am uh, pulling this up you are, in uh, real time, my people. And uh, so you can follow along with me. And uh, here we go. Give me two more seconds. We're looking up the Hawkeyes right now, the number five team in the country. Iowa plays Penn State on October 9th, but they do not play Ohio State. Who's in what division? Um, Iowa is uh, in a separate division from Penn State and Ohio State. Okay, so – the Penn State Ohio State game decides the division. They're in two separate divisions. They're Ohio State and Penn State are in separate divisions. No, uh, no, no. Ohio State and Penn State are in the same division. Yeah. Iowa is in a so separate division. The division. Ohio State Penn State game is going to decide the winner of that division. Yes. So, if, if all things being equal, they win all the other games, and then Iowa will lose to Penn State in a couple of weeks, but they'll probably win the division because everybody else in the division sucks. Right. Okay, so then Iowa's going to have a chance like to play either Penn State again or Ohio State, in which case they lose again. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take Iowa out of the have two, two losses. Um, yeah, I think Penn State's got a chance to play themselves into the playoff by virtue of beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten. And the Ohio Auburn State win gives them a little cushion of some sort. Back in by beating Penn State, beating a oh, – Ohio State has to hope Penn State beats Iowa. If if Penn State, with that Auburn win, they've given themselves some leeway, even if they lose one game and they're not the Big Ten champions, they still have a shot in that large bit. I don't think so because I think you'll have the issue of um, a champion Oregon, a champion Oklahoma, and the Alabama-Georgia thing. And maybe A and M. Yeah, I think it's important if you. I, it's important if you're in the SEC, you have one loss and you didn't win your division. That's okay. But if you're in the Big Ten and you do it, that's not okay. Maybe so. Um, Ohio State did get in the playoff a few years back as a one-loss team that wasn't a conference champion. Yeah, but I think it's a little. You look at the difference this year. You got three teams sitting there in the top seven 
three teams in the top five, if you're looking at the AFC poll, the, the coaches poll, that are, that are SEC schools. And you could argue that any of those three could win, lose one game, not win their division, and go on to – because one of those three is one of the SEC. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. A and M didn't do themselves any favors. Any favors not playing well against Colorado, right? Yeah, A and M's got to be going to have to beat Alabama. Last question for you. We'll yeah. end on this: the uh, USC job still the only big job open right now. Um, I imagine there's going to be some others that come open in the next couple of weeks. Who's some names you're looking at to potentially fit that? I know you and I talked to Chris Peterson. Yeah. But we've seen I mean, Mario talk- Cristobal's name come up. Deion Sanders has been mentioned. <laughs> who's who's who are these names you like? Who's a good fit for USC? Well, you they're not going to decide till after the season's over. They're going to go all the way with the with the with the, they're going to wait. Um, Cristobal's a good choice. They're all good choices. I mean, they're going to get a good coach. Chris Peterson's a good choice if they can bring him back. If they can bring him out of retirement. Um, I, I think, you know, I heard the Dion thing this week. I don't think Dion's leaving Jackson State unless it's, unless it's for Florida State. If really USC don't. says, here's $8 million, how do you say no? But Dion's, Dion, he's got money already. I think he really Everyone could use $8 million. I, I think that Dion really believes in what he's doing. He's making he really 300 does. grand. There's no way he's saying no to that. I, I mean, I see your point. I also don't know if he's ready for that. Yeah. And I think he knows he's not ready for that. But I think he knows if he went to Florida State, his alma mater, that'd be different. Um, I think with Dion, I'll mention this real quick. There's the whole coach prime thing that he's trying to do. You know, he's he's wearing the the Under Armour shirts and the sidelines, the chain, you know, hat backwards, you know, that type of thing. He's being himself. Yeah. I think that. Dion is going to look at, okay, where can I be me? And that might not fly in Southern California. Well, I agree with that. Also, USC is a big time Nike school. And I don't know that Dion wants to, you know, do battle his Under Armour deals. So, you know, that's a big thing there. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I found it kind of, I, I had a chuckle when I heard Dion's name as a USC coach. Yeah. I still think it's going off the board. I, I you know, I think it's Coach O. I think Coach O is going to go over there. Okay, that sort of been my pick the whole time. I think that I think there's going to be an amicable divorce for him and LSU, and I think there's people that want him out already. They don't necessarily like the shtick, and they want a real coach, coach as far as like a, a real X's and O's guy. Yeah, and think they want that instead. I don't know if that's what they need. I mean, I like Coach O. I think he's perfect at LSU, but. Um, He's a guy who should have got that UFC job when Lane Kiffin got fired. I think there's some people there who want him. So don't be surprised if that would have happened. Um, USC is going to get a big name. Um, I would not be. The other one I heard, Jack Del Rio got tossed around as a name over there. Mm-hmm. He's, an He's an alum. Uh, Jack Del Rio's talked about a college job a couple times. You know, he's someone who's an alum at USC. He's got some people there. People would try to compare that to when they hired Pete Carroll, would be the comparison. Yeah, and it'd be a good choice. You know, I could see going back to Pete Carroll. People forget Jack Del Rio wasn't a bad NFL coach. 
No, there was a big push a few years ago to get him to go to LSU. I mean, he took the Raiders and the Jags to the playoffs. The playoffs, yeah. The Jags have never been better than they were under Jack W. The Raiders He's haven't been as good since he was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that you know, in first place. <laughs> I, uh, I think that, yeah, I think that's a name that's going to get tossed about. And we're going to hear a lot more smoke on that fire, too. Yeah. I think it's, I think the whole USC job is going to be interesting because it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be a more than about being an alum. It's going to be more than about being the best coach. It's going to be a guy who can get their fan base fired up. And frankly, I think it's going to have to be a guy who has some NFL connections because being the coach at USC, this is something that Clay Helton never really understood. I think you're a professional coach. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Los Angeles professional football team is the USC Trojans. And it's not the Rams. It's not the Chargers. Those are teams that play in L.A. But USC is more popular than both of those teams combined. Yeah. And now in the era of the, of, uh, the, uh, the um, NIL, there's money to be had for some of these players. To go to USC, I mean, it's going to be something. I, I don't know. I, I you know, we're going to we're going to hear Urban Meyer's name until you know until they hire somebody else. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think that's going to be an interesting one to look at. And I still think there's other jobs to come out too. I think there's going to be a couple of big name jobs available this offseason as well. Yeah. I I watched Notre Dame game, and I'm convinced this is his last season at Notre Dame. Yeah, because he's going to kill off all his players. Uh, well, the execution aside, I think that uh, I think Chip Kelly's. I think he's tailor made to either go to a big time school or a pro guy. Yeah, I think he's the one coach that if he went to the NFL would do really well. Yeah, I can see. That. I think the New York Giants should hire him. Yeah, they might be looking for a coach. We got to go, Bo. Looking yeah. forward to your show this Thank Friday you. with the one and only Thomas Bridges. Should be a lot of fun. And yeah, we're gonna have a couple. We have a couple week. of guests this week. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Thanks yeah, for joining thanks us, Bob. Thank you, Tyler. Have a great week. Take care, guys. A couple more things before we wrap up here on the Jones Sport today. Let's get to our Big Twelve breakdown this week, looking at the Big Twelve slates and starting with the matchup in prime time on ABC. Oklahoma taking on West Virginia. We talked about it at the time of the show. Oklahoma gets the win against Nebraska. They squeak by against a Nebraska team that most of us think just isn't very good, right? Um, Nebraska's got a decent defense, but Adrian Martinez is not a good quarterback. They don't have a whole lot of weapons offensively. And that Nebraska team was, you look at it, two field goals and a missed extra point away from that game going to overtime. That's how close it was. And so Oklahoma's got issues. Oklahoma, I think, is going to be fine. Later on, I think they'll put it together. You look at it at this point last year, we were talking about an OU team that had already lost two games by now. And, you know, it, it looked like the sky was falling, everybody was worried and such, and they still ended up winning the Big 12. Oklahoma, now you head into conference play. I think they're going to get their act together. I think they're going to be okay, but there still might be some lumps along the way. If you're a betting man and you see OU favored by 17 against West Virginia this weekend, hammer that 17 on West Virginia. I'm not saying West Virginia is going to win. 
far from that at all. West Virginia has never beaten Oklahoma since they've been in the Big 12. But Oklahoma is still working through some things right now. That's evident. That's okay. They're going to be fine. But they are not there yet. I like Oklahoma to take care of business at home, but I would be shocked if uh, if they win by that 17-point margin here. What's weird about this Oklahoma team, Tom, is that it's the offense that's the issue right now. The defense looked really good against Nebraska. And, you know, they had their moments against Tulane, although they didn't play great. Uh, but they've had their moments. We know the defense is the strength of this team. We haven't said that about an Oklahoma team in a long time. If you're an Oklahoma fan, I think you have to sit back and say to yourself, okay, we know the offense is going to improve. They're going to find their rhythm. You'll take where the defense is at right now. There's no need to panic in Norman just yet. Yeah, no, not yet. I mean, they they shouldn't – I mean, they can look to um, their – all, you know, their Oklahoma brothers down the road in Stillwater and say, you know, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Um, you know, are they going to beat West Virginia by 17? I probably wouldn't touch that game. Um, it isn't Norman, though, so I wouldn't be shocked, but I wouldn't touch it with money. Um, but, I mean, they, they win that game for sure. Um, you, you mentioned West Virginia hasn't beaten them, and I don't think this is the year West Virginia does it. Um, by any West Virginia is a decent team. They looked really good last week against Virginia Tech, getting that win. Uh, you know, Deggy is looking like a decent quarterback, but there's no way that they have the weapons to hang around with OU as far as that goes. Right. I mean, we could be saying this. This could be typical choke job OU. This could be the game. Is it going to be? Don't think so, but could be. No, they're they're, they're be holding that. out for when I go to Manhattan and watch them play K-State, try to lose a, a third year in a, a row. Third, third, yeah, yeah, you might be right. You might be exactly right on that. But, um, you know, OU's fine. Um, you know, they have, like you said, they get to work out some kinks and get it figured out. Everybody in college football right now looks mortal, in my opinion, except Bama. Um, Florida played them pretty tough, but I didn't have a doubt in my mind that Bama would come away with that game. Um so everybody else looks mortal. Um, you know, you win, you're in. Um, I've already seen people count Iowa State though, which is pretty funny. It is. Um, I've also I've also seen people count in Iowa to uh, the college football playoff, which not out of the realm yet, but I think soon will be. Oklahoma State taking on K State, and we'll uh, of course we had this game in uh, in our picks and. Uh, Tom, looking at uh, that matchup between the uh, Pokes and the uh, Wildcats, there's not going to be a whole lot of passing in this game. Will Howard took over for Skylar Thompson, who is out for the year, and he only threw 10 passes last week. We saw with uh, Spencer Sanders that he was just horrible throwing the football against Boise State. They couldn't move at all. You know, Shane Hillingworth started week one because of uh, some COVID issues with Spencer Sanders. And he still has more passing yards in that one game than Spencer Sanders has had the last two weeks. Um, I hate it that this game's on ESPN+. Plus. These are two undefeated teams. You know, one's in the top 25, one's borderline top 25, and they're having to play on a digital stream. I mean, that – And it's a night game, too. That's pathetic. I mean, the Big 12 offices should be throwing – uh, their heads against the wall for that game being on ESPN plus that is a travesty uh, but nonetheless K-State Oklahoma State not a whole lot of passing involved you're gonna it's gonna come down to who can run the football better uh, and you know what OSU 
I would not want to be dealing with Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn has been off to a good start to this year for that uh, K-State run game. If they can contain Deuce Vaughn here, then who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think Deuce Vaughn is ultimately the, the key in this one, Tom. How, how Deuce Vaughn plays will determine who wins this football game. Yeah, and, you know, I think Oklahoma State defense is up to the challenge for Deuce Vaughn. I, I mean, you know, they were pretty stout. They didn't allow – Boise State to score on their home turf in the second half. They also didn't score. The offense didn't score themselves. Um, so, you know, I don't I, I don't know what's going on in the mind of Casey Dunn, and I don't think I would ever want to be there. Um, but I, I, I do – you know, you look at that first game where Shane Ellingworth started, and then you look at the next two. It's two completely different offenses, and I don't think it's the fault of Spencer Sanders, and I don't think it's his fault or the benefit to Shane Ellingworth. Just what it is, I, I think, you know, with the addition of Jalen Warren and him running for over 200 yards on on Boise State, I think they might just, you know, keep feeding that cow. But, I, you know, that's I'm not – done with Spencer Sanders, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so he, done. He needs, to take a, he needs to take a chill pill. He's got high anxiety. I'm kind of done defending him too, but I also know I'm ready that, for Shane Ellingworth or somebody else here. It's just not working. No, it's not. But I, I they're going to keep riding that horse until it breaks, um, and it might break in this game. Um, you know, I I'll take K State um, if they're going to give Oklahoma State. I think the line has moved now to seven, seven and a half. Um, oh, there's no way. Not and you know I don't know it's going to be it'll be telling you know there was there was a few passes in that Boise State game that they had the wide receiver the freshman wide receivers drop easy passes for first downs and then either Gundy or Dunn just said no nope, we're not going to do that anymore we're just going to run it up the middle and and you know what it won them the game and it, well kind of almost lost them the game but you know showed that they have a decent running attack but um, yeah, I don't know I don't know what to expect this weekend. Um, in Stillwater, you know, K-State, Oklahoma State, always a pretty tight game. Um, I think I wouldn't – this is the game I would not touch with Monopoly money. Iowa State taking on Baylor. The Cyclones still ranked 14th in the land at 2-1. and one. Baylor at 3-0. and oh. Baylor off to a good start. And Dave Aranda, you probably heard me last week of when I called him out, said I wasn't high on him, and they blew the doors off my Jayhawks last week. Wasn't even close. Baylor looked good. They looked like a well-oiled machine last week. Iowa State still trying to find themselves, still trying to figure things out. I mean, they, they did get a win against UNLV 48-3, to but nobody expected anything out of UNLV anyway. But now is put up or shut up time, Tom, for Iowa State. We've seen Iowa State off to this shaky start. Their offense hasn't played to what they're capable of. This Baylor team is no slouch. I mean, Iowa State – you already have one loss. Now, if you're going to stop the bleeding, it's got to stop right now because this Baylor team could uh, could could throw something on them here. I mean, there's uh, they, they got enough talent with uh, Bohannon and some of these other guys here that uh, they, they they better st- stop that bleeding right now. Otherwise, Baylor could come in and potentially pull off this upset. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either. Baylor this year, I'm um, just watching a few games. It- Baylor feels like Trap Game University this year, and it used to be Iowa State was Trap Game University. Now I feel like that has shifted to Baylor. Um, where is, is this game in Waco? It is in Waco. 
Yeah, it's just a very trap game for Iowa State. You know, you lose to Iowa a few couple weeks ago, and then you win one, and then you you know you're coming back in, and do you get a little bit confidence back? You know, are you overconfident going into Baylor? KU's been playing well. Did KU turn the ball over on Saturday? I'm sure they did. Uh yeah, they did. I mean, so you know, after not turning over in the first couple of games, but you know, it's bound to happen eventually. But KU's not I mean, KU's still kind of a slouch, but less of a slouch than last year. But to do what they did to KU, uh, I mean, they can do it to you too. Maybe not in the tone of 45 to 7, but they can hang with. Texas Tech taking on Texas. And you looked at what Texas did a couple of weeks ago, falling to Arkansas in the fashion that they did. And Texas Tech being a sneaky 3-0 and team with that really good win against Houston in week one and then beating FIU and Stephen F. Austin the last two weeks. The game is in Austin, but Texas favored by eight here, Tom. This feels like too much. I feel like Texas Tech has enough horses to at least go toe-to-toe. Maybe this situation where Texas plays like they did against Louisiana. Now, Casey Thompson's going to be starting this game. It really comes down to what Texas team is going to show up. We've seen two different Texas teams already in 2021. I don't know which one's showing up Saturday against the Red Raiders here. Yeah, neither do I. Um, and, you know, if, if Texas Tech pulls this off, Tech pulls this off, Matt Wells is safe for another year. Uh, if he does not, uh, you know, a 3 no start, sure, is fine. You know, if he pulls this off, I think he's uh, – what's K-State's basketball coach's name? Bruce Weber. Yeah, he Bruce Weber's his way through the rest of the season. You pull off this win against Texas. You know, Texas, they lose to Tech. Uh, it, it could start to get bad um, in Austin. Um, and then, you know, I don't know who Texas plays – the following week after Tech, but then you have OU, I believe, on the 9th of October, and then you have Oklahoma State come to town. Um, there's a somewhat decent chance if Texas lose this game, uh, by the end of October, the middle of October, they could have lost four. Yeah. Um, SMU taking on TCU, that game in Fort Worth, the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth rivalry between these two teams. TCU sitting at 2-0, and to uh, start the year, and, you know, they, they got a good win against Cal and they won against Duquesne and then had a bye week before they played SMU. And this SMU team, Tom, they can put up points. Tanner Mordecai, former OU quarterback, in three games has thrown for 16 touchdowns, including a Hail Mary last week to, to, to squeak by a win there in uh, the closing seconds against Louisiana Tech. Tom, I fully expect TCU to win this game here, but that defense, they better be on it because SMU certainly knows how to score. SMU is no slouch. I mean, they – that – I'm trying to – SMU played who this past weekend? I know it was a right to the end of the Louisiana game. Louisiana Tech. I mean, that was – I mean, maybe they could have been better than Louisiana Tech, but, uh, you know, SMU's uh, not bad. Um, I wouldn't I, – I would not – if being an OSU fan right now, I would not want to play SMU. And uh, the uh, quarterbacks, uh, Max Duke, Duggan, uh, of course, the starter there at TCU. But if Chandler Morris somehow got in this game, Tom, you would have uh, two former OU quarterbacks uh, going head-to-head in Mordecai and uh, Morris if that happens. 
Wouldn't that be interesting? I, you know, I don't think Duggan's coming out for any reason unless he gets his neck broke. But um, knock on wood. But yeah, that would be interesting. That I feel like that wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Right. Kansas taking on Duke. That game's on the ACC network. I don't even know how to get the ACC network. Hopefully, I can still find this game on Saturday. Maybe I'll. You know, if you, if you have a Samsung TV, I have the ACC network just because I have a Samsung TV. Okay. Hmm. Maybe I'll get a Samsung of, TV for this. I don't know what kind of deal they struck, but. Okay. Hmm. Uh, with that being said, maybe uh, I'll watch this game on a Samsung TV. Uh, Kansas, heavy underdogs against Duke. I wish this was a basketball game. I've wanted KU to play at Duke for years. Instead, I get this football game that nobody wants. Duke is favored by 16. Um, At this point, Tom, after Kansas lost the way they did against Baylor, I'm just watching to see if Kansas can cover the spread each week, and that's not something I expect either. Um, I don't know much about Duke, but based on the line itself, this can't be good. You know, probably not. Who did Duke play last week? Do you know? Duke is a two and one, and last week they beat Northwestern 30 to 23. Yeah, it might not end well for KU this week. I think KU can still cover. I well, this is this is what I hope for KU. You know, this you you get you knew you were gonna get beat by Coastal, but then you go and you play your first big 12 game against Baylor and you get just straight housed, right? What kind of team are we going to see out of KU? What time of, type of team when you just get absolutely trounced by a team that, you know, maybe you had a little hope? I feel like the first half of that KU-Baylor game was decent. Um, but when you absolutely get housed, what kind of resiliency is Lance Leopold going to show right. um, coming well, into this game? You lose uh, your starting running back, Velton Gardner. He takes the red shirt, and now he's transferring. Former three-star back out of Midwest City is going to sit out the rest of the year and hold on to his eligibility and go somewhere else. So now you turn things over to Devin Neal, the four-star Kansas Gatorade player of the year out of Lawrence. And that's that, that's a lot to ask for a freshman to carry that load behind a bad offensive line. So, yeah, there you have it. That's your look around the Big 12 this week's Big 12 breakdown here on the uh, Jones Report this week. Tom, before we get out of here, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Where shall we head to this time? Jones, so first question out of the gate here, have you ever been on a party bus? I have. I know we tried to get into a party van one time in Lawrence. I I think we did. We did. We were on it for about a good two minutes. Exactly. I thought so. Um, So... Jones, we're going to Boston for this one, okay? Um, did you ever go on any type of a, a non-school bus for a field trip as a kid? Uh, yeah, I've been on, like, a charter bus for a field trip. But, like, any out-of-the-ordinary field trip bus? Uh, no, and I'm not riding the Ducks in Branson either. Well, no, not after that happened years ago. I don't, I don't even know if the Ducks are still in business. Um... But Jones, here we go to Boston. This comes from Boston.com. A party bus with stripper poles for a field trip. A Boston teacher explains the importance of his now deleted viral tweet. 
Um, it quotes right after that. I'm worried that there's too much attention being paid to the tweet itself. Boston AP group of high school students in Massachusetts had to ride on a party bus complete with stripper poles and neon lights during a recent field trip. They experienced their teachers said highlights problems with the education system. All right. Jim Mayers, an 11th grade advanced placement language and composition teacher at Brook Charter School in Boston, said in the sense deleted tweet that the original charter bus had fallen through MassLive.com, reported Monday. It is a funny story, but there's actually a real bus shortage, and it speaks to flaws in our education system, he said, adding field trip was a success. He is now using the attention he's getting because of the original tweet to urge people to better understand educational inequities and other problems facing the nation's schools. I'm worried that there's too much attention being paid to the tweet itself or simply the fact that it went viral instead of attending to the many systemic issues that are facing not just my students, but students all across the country, he wrote in a follow-up tweet. Uh, I'm trying to find the OG tweet. I thought they would link a picture to it, but then it links to his, like, I guess, a note about the tweet that is very long. I'll try to read that here in a second. For example, districts across the nation are struggling to hire enough drivers to shuttle kids to schools, and some states have been become creative, including Massachusetts, which is enlisting National Guard members to drive school transit vehicles. His original tweet he wrote was just meant to give his fellow teachers a laugh. It's gotten people to talk about the overall infrastructure of our education system and the different ways the schools are prioritized, and that's good, too. He then urged readers to attend the next local school board meeting or read up on the topic. I am steady trying to find the OG tweet here. Um, let's find out. Jones, why I searched for this tweet. Um, high school kids on a stripper bus. Uh, you know, it is Tom Flory. Um, neon lights and stripper poles. Do you think... Any of the kids like thought it would be funny to dance on the pole? Do you think it just went crazy like that? Hundred percent. There's no way that didn't happen. I mean, I wonder how many chaperones were on the bus to do it. I'm looking for the tweet right now. I gotta find where is it. But I, mean, I think there's a picture of. Oh, there is a picture of it. If, if you're going to yeah. be a chaperone, that's going to be the way to be a chaperone, right? Right. Uh, you know, you already know that um, they just, when they said, yeah, well, you get to use this. Um, I think, okay, it looks to be like it was Big Daddy Party Bus is what they wrote, I think. Big Daddy Party like. Bus? Oh, no. Big, the Big Daddy Party Bus. Um, where in the world is this tweet? I'm, okay, he deleted it, but everything. You put something on the internet, it remains forever. Oh, here we go. Here's the tweet. Oh, and he tweets it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, is this on? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, this is on our funny on Reddit, too. Uh, OG tweet reads, due to the national school bus driver shortage, my school has hired a party bus with stripper poles to transport us for a field trip. This is not a drill. Um, and then he sends the picture of it. I'm going to send it to you. And it does look like it's got at least two stripper poles in this thing. And it, I mean, it's a, definitely a bus I would ride uh, now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would 
get on a party bus with stripper poles and probably make a fool of myself. But um, comments on this too, more Tom Fullery comments on this. Good training to pay off those future student loans. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Ride the magic bus. Um, yeah. So sounds like bus shortage. I have not. I mean, we've had a lot of shortages overall. We've had a national coin shortage, uh, national uh, bus shortage now. There for a while, there's a national shortage of helium. How? I have no clue. Um, I haven't seen people really use a helium tank in a long time. But, you know, Jones, um, I, I here's the thing. It is tomfoolery. And I get that they're trying to outline the national bus shortage and the systemic issues in our education system, right? Like we've heard from years when we can bitch about it all we want. It's been the same since me and you were in high school. I don't think it's one of those things that may never change, unfortunately. But, you know, if, if I'm a student on that bus, you know, you're in high school. It's not like you're a fifth grader. You're in high school. You know, there, there's a chance that there's 18-year-olds on that bus that have already been to a strip club. I know when I was in, you know, after I turned 18, the – I turned 29 in November. When I was in high school, I turned 18 in November. That next March, you bet where I was on spring break was in a strip club. Um, you know, you had that's just what you do. So these are um, high school kids, right? High school kids. Okay, you know? I mean that's not the end of the world. If it was right. like you know junior high or something, that'd be different. Right. It's like okay, some of these kids probably already drank. You know, like come on. Like, I get where he's coming from with that. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? When you look back 10 years later after high school and you talk to a buddy maybe you haven't seen in a long time, you're going to be like, remember that stripper bus we rode? It's going to be one of those funny memories. I don't think – it's not like they had strippers on the bus. This feels like if they were ever to do a sequel to Bad Teacher that Cameron Diaz would have her students on a bus with stripper poles. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I get – I get where the outrage might be, but it's like, come on. The outrage, I think, and what the teacher's trying to point out is that they have to go out and rent a non-school bus to transport kids for a field trip. I get that. I, I do get that. I bet in Massachusetts, you know, in Boston, there's probably not nearly as much outrage as there would be probably if this happened in our home state of Oklahoma with all the proofs that are there. Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine what would happen if that was the case. There would be get the school shut down. There, there would be Karens at the school for sure, ready to go. Um, you know, it's so. I mean, I get the outrage in terms of you know what. Even if it was just a normal party bus, then okay. Granted, the stripper poles. This is those are buses for like bachelor and bachelorette parties. You know, I've never been or seen a bachelor party with strippers on a party bus. You know, now if I have a bachelor party, they might be on mine. Uh, you know, maybe just for the, it's really for the shits and gigs at that point. Um, but, you know, like, okay, I guarantee you one of those kids danced on the pole. That would have been me, 100%. I would have been the one that was like, you know what, let's, let's all check it out, Mr. Teacher Man. You know, and what, I mean, what do well, you Well, you would do? dance on a pole as a teacher. No, 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 no. Oh. As, a, as a student, no. Okay. Um, I mean, and, and, and at that point, if someone la ha ha, laugh, 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 dances on the pole while you're on a stripper bus on the way to uh, a field trip, a class clown, 
you know, as a teacher, you might want to get on to them and be like, no, don't do that. Inside, you got to laugh. I would be, a, I, I, that's why I couldn't be a, a good teacher. I think I could be a good teacher, but I would be one let stuff slip, and that would be hilarious. I would be the teacher that would be going on field trips and watching movies all the time. One who just sits in the bus seat and all the kids are standing up yelling and you're just watching Netflix on your iPad. Right. Well, I mean, in the classroom, we would just watch movies. Oh, yeah, right. Just bring in the Rolly Trade TV and you already know what time it is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That would be me if I was a teacher. Those were my favorite teachers. Give completion grades, you know, just do the work, you get an A, you know, that's perfect. Right. Showing up is 80%. Oh, man. That yeah, is that's good. crazy. Speaking of Karens, by the way, I, I tweeted this out. Uh, did you see the uh, Facebook post that somebody reported to the Better Business Bureau about Domino's? Uh, I did see that. She got free dessert and she was still bitching. She got free dessert and called up Domino's and said, like, hey, what are you going to do about this? And they're like, well, there's nothing we can do. Well, then the Better Business Bureau responded to me of me reposting that and there's a lot and they they said hey there's nothing we can do about that either but we'll take the free brownies the free dessert wow and it was the blue blue check better business bureau yeah yeah it was their cio wow. well, there you go that's uh that's good to know that they have a sense of humor too i'm sure they get ridiculous stories all the time like that you know that lady for going viral for that she's pretty stupid because i guarantee you someone's going to dox her and give her address out, and she's going to get Domino's pizza for the rest of her damn life. Like, what's wrong with Domino's? At least they didn't send you Papa John's. Right, right? I mean, they could have sent you Little Caesars Hot and Ready at that point. They could have sent you Applebee's. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they have a shitty flatbread pizza. I mean, you know, I, I know for a fact that someone's going to get her address, and she's going to get pizzas for the next year. I hope so. That or she, that could be genius. She could bitch about it and, and kind of do reverse psychology or just a, a troll job and then be getting pizza forever. That would be like if I complained about Domino's. They'd be like, uh, he's not complaining. He's one of our best customers. Man, you get Thomas after drinking at two o'clock in the morning, the first thing he's calling for is a pizza. Yeah, 100%. That's, yeah, that is no lie. You got me, you got me penciled in. You've, you got me figured out. It's uh, it's kind of a running joke now. Um, like anybody who we drink with, especially if I'm out and about, like in a different city or something, you can pretty much bet Tom's paying for the pizza that night. Like that's just how it happens. Oh man! On that, I'm, note if I'm good for if I'm good for one thing, it's free pizza after two a.m. Hey, that's what you're here for, and we love you for it. On that note, <laughs> we got to run. Big thanks to T.J. Reeves for joining us here at the Jones Sport, Brian O'Connor as well. Subscribe to the Jones Support, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. We're on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live forward slash Studio Soapbox. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges at uh, TJ at, uh, at Studio underscore Soapbox. Uh, that's the second week I've done that. And then on Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. Check out Studio Soapbox Network. We got shows running all throughout the week coach Bo's show will be out tomorrow uh, tomorrow on friday 0.5 pod tom's going to be on it this week so check that out if you get a chance also got let's go racing with david Starr 
This week includes a uh, interview with Landon Castle of the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So check out those shows if you get the chance on top of this show as well. And we got some exciting stuff in the works for uh, the Studio Soapbox Network that we're going to announce in the coming weeks. So be on the lookout for that. For Thomas Bridges, TJ Reeves, Bruno O'Connor, Tyler Jones, for our entire crew saying so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.